Hey, welcome to part two of episode 365. Just a reminder, you can follow me on all social media at Lopez Radio. You can also check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lopez Radio. I usually stream on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Uh, we just get together, uh, play some video games, and talk shit. It's just kind of normal, but uh, we just do it live. So check it out there and enjoy part two of episode 365 with Lord Fagan. My friend Clayton from Novus Opera popped in to chat, and uh, we were talking when we were talking about people who were um, making content. You know, uh, going out to Vegas, making content a few times a year, eight times a year. Um, like he said, "Damn, what's your retirement plan?" Like, but uh, some of some of the money that people make on YouTube, like, hopefully you're putting in some of it away. Like, if you're smart, you're putting it away. You're investing it. You know, um, but it's 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 very. It doesn't take a very big audience to make a nice little living. I know that there's people who just clean their house and talk about the products you're using um, and make mid six figures, you know? And it's just kind of like, it's funny what what content can be. It can be just going and reviewing a room in Vegas, talking about what's there, talking about- One, of my, Go ahead. one of my favorite channels. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Ace of Vegas? No. This guy is much what you're what you're talking about. Like, so he runs kind of a he runs kind of a modest YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Much of what his stuff is actually about is teaching you how to play apps on your phone and shit to get you to like farm rewards points to be able to spend there. Like mm -hmm. he does a lot of like, oh yeah, man, I got this room on these um, on these points, so let's check it out. And he'll give like these walkthroughs and stuff and. It's, you know, it's the kind of content that's like, you you can tell he's putting a lot of work into it. And it's like, cause this is travel content. You know, this is not just him sitting around editing stuff. It's like, no, he actually has to go to these places. But mm -hmm. this guy is like, I mean, you can tell just a, you know, just a young black dude having a great time in Vegas multiple times a year going to, you know, great steakhouses, staying in suites left and right. And just, you know, you can tell it's like, in a final analysis, he's getting paid to do this. Yeah. It's not, it's, I mean, yeah, it's like multiple concurrent systems, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so wild. And he's just one of so many. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of wild stuff that you can see on there. Um, and, you know, that's just Vegas. Yeah. There's yeah. a ton of places that you can go that are in those like casino networks that are not necessarily Vegas, mm -hmm. but you're still part of the network and you're still getting that stuff. Like you can go, there's, there's Caesars has a place in the Bahamas. Um, there's like, there's like Harris casinos that are like sprinkled all over the place. Shreveport, Kansas city, all kinds of shit. That's yeah. all part of the Caesars network. You know, same thing with the MGM stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with uh, Clayton too. Is like he's like he said it's a fair point as far as them putting their money away, but like kind of what the ecosystem looks like for like like in ten years, right? For creating content like that, just creating content in general, like just just shifts in general interest in such and such, it just changes so much in a ten year swath. Like people could just be way more interested in something that we're not even thinking about right now, just like. You know, you see those articles every now and then, and there's just like, did you know 10 years ago, this many jobs didn't exist, and here's what they are? You know, yeah. content changes a lot. It changes a ton. I mean, we we're, we're, we started off talking about 
Um, we started off talking about Mortal Kombat. We started off talking about video games and and movies and then TV series and like it almost seems like even that stuff has to adapt to the way people are ingesting it and it has to adapt in the way people are in the reasons why people are interested in it. Um, I don't think YouTube con uh, content's any different, you know? Um, it's, I think you just kind of have to roll with it and some people are just in the right place for it. Like a Kevin Feige is in the right place for something like what he's doing right now. Um, we've had, we, 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 we've had a variation on this conversation many times. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, the, the, the general question of what content is, and I, I have trouble settling on an answer myself. There's a part of me that feels like all content is, is a buzzword for something that marketers can use as a placeholder mm -hmm. to describe what they're talking about because they don't actually have a fucking clue what they're talking about, but they need to sell this. Right. That's what content is. Because, I mean, it's like I was saying before, there's a difference between your Monday night, raw, your, your average Monday night raw broadcast and um, painting with Bob Ross on rebroadcast on Twitch. Yeah. Those are two different things. Very different. You know? mm -hmm. um, and it's, again, you know, when you're in the position of just wanting to sell this shit, Mm -hmm. and wanting to generalize it it's easier to just kind of glump all that stuff together but the the ecosystem right we'll come back to this this is this is a this is an important idea right the ecosystem is vast and bizarre mm -hmm. filled with multiple walled gardens that are still dependent on each other mm -hmm. and it all depends on what you're trying to do what you're trying to get are you trying to make money you trying to build an audience? Are you trying to sell something like physical? Are you offering a service? Are you trying to help people? Are you just trying to get the word out? What are you doing online? Is all this stuff content? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one big bucket. <laughs> I don't I don't know just how similar spoof content from the onion mocking political ads is i don't know what that is in relation to super PAC ads mm. which are like almost unintentionally farcical sometimes it's like oh yeah man ain't nobody gonna take my gun and then they have a pan shot of them like blasting a priest in effigy i'm being extreme with what i'm talking about but it's like no sometimes there's just fucked up weird shit that's like is this a parody anymore I've come to I've come to the point where I'm so close to the singularity I can't tell fantasy from reality. Oh, <laughs> oh no 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 that's just content. It, oh, I mean, all right, but it's not. It's all subjective. Porn is not porn is not the same shit as on Disney Plus. It's not the same. Yeah. Stop pretending that way. But but it's but again yeah it's it's difficult it's difficult to you know say who can make this stuff who shouldn't. It's a it's a weird period of democratization. Yet coming back to this, this this was an interesting question. Um, who was it? Novus Opera with you know what do these people do? What's the end game? What are they? You know how do you end it out? It's like I don't know. Do you do you go get an Airbnb in Las Vegas because you've like been there close enough and you you know you've read the you've read the market and you found a nice place and then you just start renting that place out to people and you start making money that way too? Yeah. Do you start stacking all these other little money making engines all these avenues of you know revenues of stream and for what just you know in service of 
what is just a hobby. I, f- I find that's the other thing too. When we talk about content, we talk about the people that are making content versus the people that are making money off the content. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm going to be careful with what I say. Cause I don't want to get you in trouble on your channel. I love your channel. I want you to be successful. Sure. No, no, no. I know you for a long time like that. Yeah. No, like you're I, fine. I've told you before my own experiences being on here. And also from what I've seen, I got my, I have my issues with Twitch and Twitch has had a very fucked up year. And I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. Cause I'm not looking to create a problem, but the <laughs> truth is what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. You're on a platform of overlords, the system of affiliate, the system of partnership, all of it's a game. All of it is that game I was telling you about with that city. Yeah. And it's about people using feedback systems to corral you into doing just what you want. And it is fascinating to watch people make content talking about and describing how they're breaking the system. That's what I am actually the most fascinated at these days. That's 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 the content that's actually like been the most entertaining to me. I enjoy I I, I actually find I don't like watching people disseminate Twitch drama. But I love people disseminating the Twitch machine, how to break it, you know? Well, and, and there's, less- a, there's a lot of people who claim to know the key, you know, they, to, to know how to get someone where they want to get. Um, again, again, this, this website is so fucked up. Even the people running it don't know how it works. They can't approve an emote without pissing off everybody. Yeah. And this place is its own world. It is different from um, other platforms that I'm not going to name. You can name them. No, I can't. There okay. are some things that you, the, there are some things I can't say because I don't want you to get, I don't want people to think that I'm advertising certain platforms that the rules explicitly say you're not supposed to. Oh. And you know, how, you know, you, I think you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. And again, I'm not, I'm not naming any names. I'm not saying because that's again against the rules Mm. i'm not supposed to call people out and i don't want to because the truth is what they're doing is genius and a lot of the butt hurts sent their way is just sour grapes they didn't think of it first or they're enable you know be real easy be real easy to talk shit about these people man you fucking you know useless ass person you just go to vegas for free and review hotels man it's like yeah having a great time doing it too well and, the, and a lot of people negate like like part of that is almost like the same as getting mad at someone for being successful at a thing right they don't get to see like let's just take a streamer for example any streamer that's successful um and and, and are making a let's living choose- doing- Let's choose Dr. Disrespect because he's no longer on the platform, but he's newsworthy and we can talk about him. And he seems like a useful example in this term. Sure. Um, but I mean, you're talking about a successful a successful streamer. Um, people, there, A lot of people that would have hate toward that or have hate toward a person that's successful doing videos about cleaning their house or 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 getting getting you to Vegas on, on a cheap dime, right? Like reviewing the latest vacuums. Sure. Like, right. They 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 they're seeing the end product, right? And and they're like, well, why does this get so many views? I was like, well, this person figured out that there was a market for this, and people want to know about it. You know, they they figured out, oh, there's no one else reviewing these things, so I'm going to start reviewing them. I figured out a way to make this system work for me. Now I'm going to show people how to do it. 
and like they're negating all that brain power that went into turning uh, something they figured out into something that was uh, that, that was uh, not tangible. Um, it was uh, like I guess for the lack of a better term, um, easy to digest, right? For someone who's just like, well, I want to know how to do this, um, and that's why it works. And it's not always that. Sometimes, like you said, even with this platform, sometimes with YouTube, even it's there's no rhyme or reason as to why it gets popular. It's just the fact that it hit with the right crowd and it got spread to the right people. And all of a sudden it's just, it's just an overnight success in some cases. But a lot of times it's just people are just realizing just like with the stock market, they're like, well, no one's investing in this and this is going to be a big thing at some point. It's, it's, it's a, it's an investment into content and um, you know, you can, you can go around and you can find, like I've definitely seen where, and, and and I have yet to jump on this, but sometimes I want to play a game or maybe stream it. And I'm like, well, let me see, you know, just kind of what the general, I don't want it ruined for me, but has somebody done a review on this? You know, a let's play, so to speak. And most games have a let's play, but you get into some of these indie games and you'll sometimes find where like, you're like, no one's done a let's play on this. Like there's no content about this outside of the trailer or maybe outside of something from the developer. And you're kind of like that. Those are those opportunities, right? And so people negate the fact that, okay, they took the time to figure out how to. In some cases, especially when you started out, you can't, you don't know how to edit. Maybe so you start teaching yourself how to edit video. Um, maybe you get to a point down the road where you're making money, and you can just hire an editor. But at first, you're having to do all that shit on your own. Like all my stuff on my YouTube channel, all the stuff I do here on um, on the stream. Um, you know, aside from artwork which you know i'll either hire someone to do or or i know somebody that can do it like i'm not artistic at all but as, as far as like drawing things and, and creating graphics but i can throw together and edit some stuff right like so you 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 have to put all that brain power into it and nobody's like like i've said with anybody starting out streaming they're like well how did so-and-so get big i was like well i don't know were you there when they had two viewers or one well, viewer I you know they they work they definitely worked toward it and they had to some people blow up overnight but a lot of those people who are big and successful and they remain that way like they had to start somewhere and I think a lot of people it's easy to be like well, fuck that guy Johnny Cage is a fake you know it's like it's it's that whole thing well and 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 this is why like I, you know not all content is the same and yet it all is the same mm -hmm. I'll. Again, without actually naming them, because there's a lot of people, but I do have a person in mind I'm thinking of, but I'm just not wanting to be like that. Sure. I'm just going to describe it. There are people who you can tell started out streaming, got into it. It's like, I'm going to stream video games. I'm going to make it big. It's like, uh, yeah, good luck, along with the other 8 million people on the platform. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, they figured out, oh, man, um, you know, what would be better would be for me to have a channel where... I talk about streaming. I teach people how to stream. And that is their content. Nobody gives a shit about them playing games. People watching them stream is almost incidental. Like you said, they found some niche that they were going after, some itch to scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also weird when you think about, yeah, but then there's a lot of other people where, come on, man, I you've done you've been doing Twitch enough, and I know you long enough to know that. I mean, anybody who gets into this kind of at a certain point, they want to know how to do it better. And so they go online and they go onto YouTube and they watch the videos of people telling you the the five things for 2021 that you need <laughs> to do to help your channel grow. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's become this almost this cottage industry. Mm -hmm. 
where people are making a living commenting on Twitch and streaming as opposed to actually making money streaming. You're, you, you have sponsorship deals not because of any other reason that you are explaining how to use the new awesome Elgato Stream Deck and you mm -hmm. command an audience of people wanting to learn about the products on that level up by itself. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of strange, you know? Um, mm -hmm. What are those people doing? Is that a job anymore? I, I, no, it's because, a, it's an infomercial. I mean, it's well, it's just a well-produced infomercial that's just well, in a style about, that someone likes. But I'm also talking about like the income. Oh yeah. You think about, you think about, I, I don't, I don't want to make assumptions about people. I mean, taking you, I don't need to make assumptions about you and how you make your content. You have a job, you have a real life. Mm -hmm. This is, this is fun on th this is fun on the side. You have a great community that you have been nurturing, you've been building, and there is non-monetary elements to this that really are very primary. Mm -hmm. The money is fine. You make I I know you make a little bit on the side, but you you don't make anywhere near enough money making doing this stuff to support you and your you know the you know your family that you have. Yeah, and that's never been the point. This is this is a beer money endeavor. <laughs> yeah, at best. <laughs> At, and that's all it wants you want it to be but in order to go beyond and there are people that want to go beyond it's like well again it's not a job because in order to ascend to some levels again let's talk about let's talk about dr disrespect for a second sure it's not like dr disrespect was out there doing it all himself mm -hmm. dr disrespect was getting a lot of help from a lot of different people some people you had no idea about like you were talking about, it's like, yeah, you can't do the art. You get other people to do it for a while. I did your art. Yeah. I did your logos. I did all that stuff. And I stepped away and other people started coming and doing that stuff. But it's like, yeah, but that's the thing you, you, everybody there, you can't underestimate the, the utility of an extra pair of hands that knows what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the thing about some of these really, 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 really big folks. You know that they're not alone. It doesn't matter the platform. It doesn't matter if it's Twitch or YouTube. Um, fucking Bon Appetit. Did you ever get wrapped up into that shit? The Bon Appetit cooking videos and the little the little mini cinematic universe they had for a minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I remember I how, remember hearing about it and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then it all came crashing down and it's gone. Mm -hmm. But people fail to understand. It's like, oh man, dude, but it was just like there was those six cooks. And they were so awesome. It was six cooks. And an army of people behind them that made them huge. People talk about how it's like, oh man, nobody really knows how it happens. Like, I'll tell you how it happens because people push it. And the more hands you got pushing, the harder it can push. And so at a certain point to really make it big, it can't just be you. It You get a real good thrill and it's really fun to just do it all on your own. Mm -hmm. But you need help. And I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, man, number two on my light item is work collaboratively with other streamers. More than that, man. How many people, when they're starting out, juice the game by getting family members and friends to, like, can you just come and chat and hang out? Yeah. You know? Just so, just so people give the perception that things are going on here. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, it, there is, <laughs> there are services where they will literally, you can just pay for them to give you affiliate in 30 days. 
mm-hmm. because that's because that's the worth of the affiliate program. And again, yeah. again, this is something you've talked about with other folks about the value of the validity of um, of the um, the um, the affiliate program, whether or not you should just stay off of it and not even try to go for partner or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a deep, dark rabbit hole to go down. But it's true when you think about exclusivity, when you think about your control of likeness, I mean, depending on what you want to do, are you just looking for beer money? If you're just looking for beer money, okay. It's never going to be a concern, but if you're wanting something bigger, that stuff is important. And it's, again, these platforms, it's not just Twitch. It's not just YouTube. It's sometimes those other ones that, you know, I'm not going to talk about. Um, they all have their own little quirks. We haven't even, we haven't even cracked the nut of discoverability. That's a, that's a fun discussion for a half hour to have about this platform, especially, you know? Yeah. It's it, the discoverability is the illusion of discoverability. Sometimes on this platform is like, oh, wow. I saw, you know, such and such on, you know, on the front page under the recommended, not in that, maybe not in that top banner, but maybe they were the second or third banner down. It's like, well, you know, a lot of that's metadata. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with like them. They just know the, the streams you watch. So they know which streams you're probably going to give a chance. Well, and it begs the question. So it's like, so you being good on Twitch and finding success on Twitch, was that because of what you did on Twitch? Or was it more likely because of what you were doing on Twitch in conjunction with other things? Because, I mean, really, you show me somebody that builds an audience more than a thousand people with just the reach. I'm not talking about people watching concurrently. I'm just talking a thousand followers. You show me somebody who's built an audience with more than a thousand followers who doesn't have a Twitter or a Facebook or a YouTube page. And they did it all through Twitch through its dog shit discoverability. You show me, you show me somebody who's done that. And I got a bridge to sell you. Yeah. You know, and it's all those things in conjunction in in conjunction with the Twitch account. And like you go to any, you go to anything that's like, said they're going to help you any kind of stream doctor or whatever the hell they're going to call themselves. Right. And they're like, yeah, if you really want to grow, you need such and such. And it has nothing to do with Twitch. Dude, (laughs) you just need to follow my five steps for growth in 2021. (laughs) smash Smash that like button and subscribe because the truth is I don't actually give a shit about helping you in your dumbass Twitch channel that I'm not going to go to. You're helping me with my algorithm and with my discoverability. Yep. That's what's really going on here. Thank you for playing. I've well, gotten your view. To my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten your view. Have a good day, sir. You know, it's, and it's yeah. And it, it's, it's such a twisted little game. It's a twisted little game and you wonder why you're playing it. And it's honestly, I saw, I saw an article the other day. Somebody, somebody wrote up about, you know, the Beavis and Butthead channel mm-hmm. by the VCR. Yeah, man. Somebody did a great channel on that stuff. It, I mean, dude, there's a ton of people out here making amazing content. And it's content. It's real content. When somebody's going out there and they're taking VHS tapes and they're redigitizing them and they're cleaning them up with deep level like um, AI software to improve the image and then putting that on a specific kind of TV with all the old commercials cut in, taking multiple sources and making like a full on channel block, which is not this is not controlled by algorithms. Everything that we watch these days, all the shit on YouTube, all the stuff that is given to us, a human being didn't select this. You're in radio, man. You understand that once upon a time, no, a human being was picking everything that you were consuming. Yeah. That's been taken out of the equation, but not on their channels. The VCR is 
that is real programming again. A human being is putting together what you're watching, even the ads and the promos. But there's no money involved. You think MTV's paying him? This no, the 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 music video awards for 1992 that they're promoing it's like they're not going to show that Mm -hmm. but they're doing it anyway and it's a weird preservation game is there money involved these channels have subscriptions you can subscribe to but they're not doing it for money right and yeah they get bumped off but it's like because they're not affiliates because they're not partners it's like just make another channel right they'll find us again they'll kick us off just make another channel yep and it's like is Mm -hmm. that our fault or is that their dog shit platform that they can't handle and I mean, it's like, we're not hurting anybody. Explain how we're doing any more wrong than the Bob Ross channel. Yeah. I mean, it's just rebroadcasting, right? Like that's all it is. And it's great content. I, I, I honestly, I love that channel. I plugged it a long time, said it many times on your show. What is it now? What's everyone? It now? Um, the, the channel I'm seeing uh TV. Okay. The, the, the Twitch channel, capital T capital V. Lowercase c, lowercase h, 34. TV channel 34. Okay. That is that is that is the current Beavis and Butthead channel. There's a handful of them. And there's, and there's a lot of people doing it. There's the dude who, if you go into the retro um, gaming channel, the old tiny computer um, show where mm-hmm. you watch like old content like old vhs and um, betamax content from like the 80s and the 90s of people talking about old 386s and 486s and how to you know how to you know take care of your computers and the the hottest new shit coming out for you know the the latest slam blaster technology and it's like it's the most bizarre stuff but it's so wonderful to watch the the there's a whole bunch a whole bunch of russian channels that's like oh yeah that's how they pirate shit They'll just start a channel and it's like, yep, we're showing Lost. <laughs> the show Lost all day, every day, nonstop. It's in English. Or we're doing we're doing the Gundam series. All those animes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's and there's just a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's content too, right? But that's kind of difficult, especially when we're talking to a marketer. And it's like, how am I supposed to sell this? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think it's it's brilliant. Like, uh, honestly, there's there's an idea that that me and a couple of other people are batting around that we're going to try. Um, it's that's that again, you know, just like taking taking songs that we want to put together, talking segments we want to put together and just putting it somewhere where it's where it's findable. But there, there's nothing. No, there's no intent outside of outside of uh, just doing the content like there's there's zero intent past that um but public uh, ra- pu- public radio public access tv it's wayne's world yeah i'm i i i find that you know sometimes it's very di- it's very difficult you know again it's a buzzword yeah content you know you say it and sometimes people just kind of glaze over you're not describing what the fuck you're doing and sometimes it is very difficult right dude we've we've been fucking around with this little hobby for a long time sometimes it can be very 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 difficult to explain to people so what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting together and literally just talking shit with my friends and every now and then a, a different guest. Like it's, that's it's all it is. Wayne's, it's Wayne's world. Yeah. You're hanging out in your basement broadcasting a private signal to a small audience. Anybody can watch. It. It's like, what are we doing? Uh, checking out some music. Going to talk. 
and uh, I don't know, mess around with this camera, extreme close up, um, shitty graphics, <laughs> yeah. um, hanging out with a neighbor. I mean, re- play some video game. This whole goddamn website is a testament to a Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah, it really is. You can find people doing all kinds of crazy weird shit and everybody's they're doing it all to their own little group of people, right? It's 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 an interesting place. It's an interesting time. Like I said, you yourself, you have a job. I've had jobs and I do this stuff anyway. Um, it's a wonderful creative space. You can be anything that you want to be. And there's so many people out here doing whatever they want. You've got and and, and really what are you what are you to say to the titty streamers and you know the 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 young housewives from taiwan who are making more money than their fucking husbands by broadcasting what they're eating for lunch today i mean there's nothing you can say to them like i i I think that i i nothing but bitter nothing but bitter jealousy man that's all you can say to them that's that well that's that's the way a lot of people react i mean for me like honestly i'm like more power to you you're making it work right I, like, you know what? I take it. I take it a step further, man. To keep an eye on them. There's okay. I will name this person. Name him. People give Amaranth a lot of shit. Amaranth mm. is a fucking genius. She made it work for. Her. For fuck's sake, the past. Honestly, sometimes I just check in just to see, from what best I can tell. Because I mean, honestly, her content is not my cup of tea not not <laughs> i just can't do it non-stop it's like look i gotta put something else in the background but at the same time again i recognize again for all of last week she made streams all week of her bathing oh. she collected checks the whole time she's a goddamn genius i mean everybody's if- all pissy all pissy because she's married that's how she did it that's how she was so successful it's like yeah her husband was helping her the entire time Mm-hmm. And she lied to you to get more money. Are you angry that she did it, or are you angry that it worked? Well, it's, if you're angry that it worked, don't be angry. Be impressed. And like it's I the, said, it's, she's a genius. It's the same so, with any platform you're talking about, like TikTok. You're talking about Instagram. Like, who do you think's taking the fucking picture and shooting the fucking video? Like, nine times out of ten, it's the boyfriend. It's the husband. Like, the the complete assumption that this 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 is your this is your chick. Like, there's a lot of people out there that get under the assumption of like, oh, I've donated, I've been, I've been subscribed, I've, 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 I've given so much. The words you're looking for, they are in love with her. Yeah. Like, actually in love with her. They've never met this woman. They never will eat this woman. I don't care if you go to TwitchCon. Mm. You don't get it. I've seen her at TwitchCon. <laughs> you are, you, you are a useful idiot. Yeah, dude, and she's great, right? Yeah, she's again, again out there wearing a latex horse head, dancing around in her push-up bra, making millions of dollars a year living in Houston, Texas. What a fucking legend, man! I'm I'm serious, and you know what, dude? There's tons of tons out there like that. Well, Pink and- sparkles. Pink sparkles is so cool. God, I love the fucking salty tears people cry on her channel. She blinks. She drinks them up. She's fantastic. Fantastic, well, man. Never change, girl. Never change. And, 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 you know, you talk about Amaranth and like, I was just, I've seen interviews, um, 
you know, she's gone on to other shows and, and talked about streaming and talked about just, you know, not not in, in, in her in her full stream get up, just like just went on to talk about content creation and stuff like that. Um and I mean she's she's smart and people are just like, She's gotta be dumb. It's like, no. If she was dumb, no. this wouldn't be working for her. It's you know, there there is there is a certain there's a certain level of yeah, you she can get to a certain she, level by just existing and just being there on camera. For some people, it's like that. But to be at that level, to be just pulling that much money and viewership in, you're doing something. You can play. Well, the, you she, can play dumb. You know? She broke Twitch, man. She's been she's been banned three times. She's still broadcasting. The, the it's because the money's undeniable like it's just that good money not, bro that it, good money it's no different than than the reason why howard stern would get fired for a little while and then he's back you know it's like they they there's there's a marked difference when a money maker is on the platform or on the air it's a marked well, difference but it's why everybody's here too yeah everybody everybody wants a piece of this good money okay and i'm not talking look i'm not talking just the subscriptions Okay, the subscriptions are the same deal that Disney has with the fucking theaters, right? Yeah. Where, oh man, yeah, dude, uh, uh, look at my subscription review. It's like, okay, you're not gonna, you're gonna, somebody's gonna come and take their half. Mm -hmm. And when you think about a lot of these folks, like, um, I mean, again, like, let's just let's stick with Amaranth. Like, Amaranth has, Amaranth has her, you know, her other streams of income, other websites, and again. Let's not say them because we don't have to. If you really want to go look this stuff up, go look it up and go look up the reasons why I'm not going to talk about certain platforms because I care about my friend's stream. Mm. And I mean, again, we're talking about this just in the sense, look, she's got a Patreon. She's got all kinds of stuff that she sells. And the angle, you know, again, may bother some people, you know, real, real angry and bitter that, you know, man, She's just got a shortcut, dude. No, she doesn't. That's not a shortcut. Mm-mm. All the shit she's got to go through, all the stuff she has to go through, all the other deals, the sponsorships, man. You think that shit just falls in your lap? No. Going out there, going out there. Uh, oh, man. Somebody's giving me the privilege to try and get y'all to get some in- some underwear from the internet. Don't you want to join me in this great endeavor? We're just here to get people underwear. Fuck, the, dude. No, this is these are deals, and people stress over them, and people have things they have to say, and there's a lot of hemming and hawing, and for what? And for a couple bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I mean, again, it's work. It's well, work. It's. Is it a job? Well, I don't know. It's not this. It's not beer money. Well, in the but com- it's. The, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Com- I, I, no, you're I'm f- going at it. You're fine. Well, the the uh, the the complaining. I mean, you can complain, but she's already won. If you're complaining, like you know her name, like that's yeah, you know her name, and you know what she does, and it may piss you off because you can't do it. It may piss well, you not off. Not everybody because- though. Not everybody though, right? Because it's like that's no. the thing that's kind of cool when you like when I try to explain people what this is, and they're like, I don't know what this is. Like sometimes you'll explain stuff like Amaranth, and you'll try to talk to them about it, and it's like. There's no, there's no way. There's no way that this woman is a multimillionaire hanging out at home, working out and playing just dance. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, for real. And it's like, how? And you come back at them content. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the bucket. Check, look at my bucket. 
Look at my big old bucket. Smash that goddamn like button. That's how. Carrie <laughs> uh, says burning her Kaepernick jersey uh, means she still already got your Nike dollars. Yeah, pretty much. You know who she is. And I mean, and seriously, dude, she's tame in comparison to the other antics. Oh, there is some. I mean, there are on, some selling, channels selling people bathwater. Oh, my God. Again, I'm not I'm not jealous. I'm not angry. That is a magnum quality grift. Well, I, I mean, we are we are we are not we are not witness to that kind of hustle. Sometimes, that's incredible. There are some channels you turn like every now and then. Someone will send me like, "Look at what's going on in this channel." You'll go there and you're like, "I don't even know what I'm seeing right now," and it's just how many how many of these girls go and they have? I mean, it's yearly now for some of them. Will you will you pitch in? And send me to TwitchCon. Mm-hmm. Will Will you pay for my overpriced Airbnb so I can have somewhere nice to hang out and stream and talk with you and hang out with you? It's brilliant, and it works. It's brilliant. I I I, I applaud them. It's fucking amazing. They're genius. They're geniuses. And again, yeah, I'm I'm impressed. Again, <laughs> the, the, I I name these people. I don't have bad things to say about them. Some people may think this is bad. I'm not saying anything bad about them. Right. I'm complimenting them and I admire their innovation. I admire that again, maybe it's success, maybe they broke Twitch. I don't know what you call it, but man, I wouldn't mind getting I I wouldn't mind getting in on that action. Don't know how. <laughs> don't know how. See all kinds of I, I see all kinds of people on this fucking network trying to get in. You know? Well and but it's, I, it's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive. Well, and and everybody has to kind of carve their own, their own thing out of it, right? Like, you know, um, Carrion said, all people need is the illusion of chance of a chance, and that's that's what we were talking about earlier. They're in love with her. Yeah, they're in love with her because they think there's a chance, and it, that's no different than you know than many other industries. Um, that Dumb and Dumber meme, man. You're saying there's a chance. You're like, saying there's a chance. It's literally a meme. She's right. Yeah, Curdy's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Curdy, well, and Curdy even popped in and said, uh, "Look, that that would never work for me." Well, it's because you've set, like, some people go in and they set a, they set an expectation as to what their channel is and who they are, and I think the reason why it wouldn't work is because you've set yourself up with a certain protocol of, um, just a certain protocol of like the expectation of what you expect from your community, what you expect from, you know, yourself. And I think it's, you know, so, so no one's ever going to expect that from you. That's probably why it wouldn't work for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I think that's really cool because you've already, you've made your, your little, your little cubby of like what Twitch does for you, you know? Yeah. So same thing, same reason why it wouldn't work for me. Cause I, I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to, um, I'm here. I'm here to just kind of play video games and hang out with you guys. Like it's it's a very different thing for everybody. But when you when you start out, like who knows what it would have been had had I started out being like, all right, here's our goal for this month. Like I'm just not a I'm not a put my goal up on the screen type of person. Um, because I don't think I think the goal for me is just to get some enjoyment and some escape out of it. So yeah, no, no, I I agree, and and well, and then also you know sometimes your goals are ephemeral but they're clear and and that's hard to say but like as an example some people's goal is Mm -hmm. i don't i don't want to work a corporate job yeah 
That's the whole reason for this. What they're making, they don't care about the content. They don't care. It's just so I don't have to work a normal job. Mm-hmm. And that okay, yeah, okay. Like that's those are those are the people reviewing Las Vegas rooms. These are these are the people who do stuff like uh, you know. And then you got some people that like they do kind of look at it as a job, like like movie Bob. Yeah. Movie Bob's a movie reviewer. He's like, he's a 21st century version of it. But you know, movie Bob's also really interesting in that we talk about like extra hands and collaboration stuff. This is a guy who, from as best I can tell, watching him as long as I have, does the exact opposite. This guy started on the escapist, mm-hmm. got kicked off of the escapist, got back on the escapist and helped bring it back in the last couple of years and got kicked off again. Because this guy just can't shut his mouth about politics. Doesn't understand that. Look, man, you're on the escapist. People ain't coming here to hear anything about what you hear about politics. That's not. It's the escapist. The escape. And so he went away because he's like, oh, no, that's not. I don't care. And he he does his stuff all by himself. Yeah, it shows. It shows. The truth is you can tell there is no outside input. And as a result, and I'm saying this as a guy who loves movie, Bob mm-hmm. movie, Bob is one of the most insightful reviewers out there. Right. Some of the stuff he said about WandaVision was like, man, I had no idea that that was why I like this show that much, but you're right. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times where it's like, dude, this is the fifth goddamn time I've heard you use this joke. It's not funny. And there's <laughs> nobody around you telling you that there's nobody around you telling you, bro, it's time. It's time to reassess some of these graphics well, because you, it looks like you look like content that was made in two thousand and nine. Well, grab grab a like. It, it, there comes a point where you got to grab a producer or somebody to be like, hey, hey, we need to change this up. Hey, you've said that a bunch. Like, let's. Can maybe I get? Can I that. get a pair of experienced hands? Right. Can I just get a pair of experienced hands. Like you said, maybe it's a producer. Maybe it's an artist. Maybe it's somebody. I tell you what, man. You know. All this fun on games on uh, on fucking uh, Twitch with DMCA. Mm-hmm. There's a quick, simple answer to that. It's an extra pair of hands that can make music for you. I mean, that's what somebody went and did, and they made a fuck ton of money off of it. <laughs> how many how many musicians made their lives like that? And it's and again, it's it's extra pair of hands helps. Um, that's what we talk about. It's like you know, that's that's action item number three. Get an extra pair of hands. Collaboration, dude. We told you to do that back in 2009 and it worked in 2009, but this is 2021. And now you need an extra pair of hands. Well, and, and talk to any, talk to any streamer or, or a person that does YouTube videos or maybe a streamer that does YouTube videos on their own time, right. To help grow their channel. Dude, if you get to the point where you can afford an editor, Oh, like that's hours, hours back to you to do just your content stuff. And that's that's the sort of mask of the whole, oh, I'm an independent creator thing. It's like, no, mm. you can't afford mm. people to do the other shit. So you just got to do it yourself. Yeah. And dude, really, it's only so many hours in the day. You're only one person. Mm. I've been down this road many a time. Create right. these grand, amazing projects that, yeah, they're great and grand. And can I do them? Sure. It'll be ready in 2023 you know mm-hmm. and it's like yeah this half hour thing i'm working on all of the big shit all the big stuff 
it's got a lot of hands involved. And yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be careful. You don't want to just go all out. Um, we'll just have some company take care of it all for you. Well, yeah. They think about, you know? think, think about like when you see a show on, you'll TV. never see your contracts. You'll never see them, but we'll take care of it. When, Go when, ahead. I'm sorry. When you see like John Oliver or you see any other national talk show or you hear a talk show on the radio that's being broadcast from coast to coast, it's not like me sitting here, you know, with a connection on the internet and a, a pad of notes. It is a team of people around that person that are making it happen. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it, they're not acting alone, you know, and, and, and at some point, the money gets so big and tied up by whatever company is carrying them. That they're not going to allow that person to act alone. No, a producer is hired to help keep you from making bad choices to help keep you from going back to the well too many times on a joke to keep your graphics fresh, to make sure you're not missing something. I mean, I can't count the amount of times I've been broadcasting on Twitch. I get into a game and I look over and I'm like, Oh shit, I've been on my like, away screen for the last 30 minutes you just know? <laughs> something is just again we talked about it before so many people that get started and it's like you know it's enough that you're trying to just keep your sound good mm -hmm. make sure that your stream is looking okay make sure your camera's all right and you're playing this game it's like man if i could just have just two people in chat just talking i don't you don't have to talk to me just talk yeah, it helps. I can't. I can't. I, I got so much shit I'm already doing. There's some stuff I can't pretend that it's another person. I need another person. And it, 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 it again, it can mean a lot. Yeah. Just little stuff like that. And um, no, does. I think, I think that's, I think that, you know, dude, you don't need a list. Um, Yeah. Regular. <laughs> look, doing your show regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be, be regular. That's important. I'm not saying that's not true. Right. That is important. But, um, but number two, the, like, honestly, the biggest thing in terms of like, you know, how do you get success in streaming or any other endeavor, um, an experienced extra pair of hands is always valuable. Never underestimate it. Yeah. That always helps. It, I mean, just, just like when doing this podcast, yeah, I've done several, I've done several episodes by myself. Um, and that's possible, but I've got to be in a certain headspace. I've got to have a certain amount of it's things. It's always wanna... easier with someone else. With oh you, my God. You know, it's just to have somebody to just throw something at and be like, what do you think? Even if they give you a two word answer, you can be like, yeah. And that's crazy. Right. And you can just keep going. But like, you know, I did a solo pod. I think two two or three episodes ago was a solo podcast and it was fine, but I was just in the right mode for it. I had plenty of things on my mind and I had, and I had the, abil the ability to kind of keep rattling through it for 45 minutes or so, you know, but there's limitations though, right? Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about let's talk about Rush Limbaugh. Stepping aside from the minute Oof, and you know, full disclosure, I thought he was a disgusting human being that said real trash. But step aside from that for a minute. Got commanded an extraordinary audience, and it was all him all the time. He mm. did not have guests. That was kind of against his program. That guy was all about brainwashing people and a captive audience that just had nobody nobody countering what he was saying. Other than pulling quote unquote collars apart one one time a week. Um, which were all you know, most almost always plants. It was very one-sided. Yeah. And again, yeah, he's he's doing it all on his own. And yeah, you can make legitimate criticisms about it's just the same fucking show. It's just the same complaints. It's the same bullshit. How many times how many times have you and I done the same program, the same radio show? 
we're doing pretty good now, but I think a lot of that is just because we haven't had a show in a long time. Yeah. We were doing shows together all the time. It was like after a while, it's like, well, we're just having the same conversation over and over. Right. And that's really, really bad when it's just you and you don't have anyone to bounce off of. Mm -hmm. You won't know that you're saying the same shit over and over. Sometimes that can be comforting to some folks. Yeah. But really, I mean, really to do a full on his shows were long. They were long. That that, they were four hour blasts every goddamn day. And he did for decades. Every city in America. It is so hard to create an audience, to command an audience, to maintain an audience on your own like that. It's and tough. even he, yeah, yeah, but he still had people helping. Oh, one hundred percent. I would argue. I would argue it's an even harder job to do that to make to make it that like oh no, so much stuff is going on and you never hear about it. That again, again, it's 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 important. It's yeah. If you've ever even worked on a small time like a small little radio show that has a couple of producers, they are constantly walking in and out of that studio, handing pieces of paper to them, like to to whoever the host is. Like, oh, here's your next thing to talk about. Here's your next thing to talk about. And a lot of times, depending on the host, they will not have seen a shred of it beforehand. It's just kind of like they just pick up the paper and start reading. And they're like, that's their talking point. They read it. They read. They read their the little blurb. And then the rest is them. Then that becomes them. But they need they they usually need that little bit of spark. Like, oh, okay, this is the pull start on the engine, and I can go for the next thirty minutes. On this topic, well, and, you, well and, and I mean, you think about it. How many, it, on a certain level, we talk about how it can be endearing, but it's like, how many channels have you been on? How many streams you've been watching? And it's like, oh man, that's some little technical bullshit, mm-hmm. some stupid thing. That's like, well, gosh, man, I feel bad for this guy. See it on your show sometimes, where it's like, well, I mean, again, you're, you are very adept, you're very skilled at being able to sk- spin all of the plates you've got. But yeah, sometimes it's like, oh shit, man, I forgot gotta get live get switch over and it's like it's hard it's hard to be talking and engaging with chat and be running this game and it's like oh yeah i forgot to press this button and it's just like god what the fuck can't just somebody else just be doing that <laughs> i and yeah and it, yeah i i listen i haven't streamed a long time yeah it was something i thought about a lot and it's something that yeah it's it it, it's it, i think i think that it really kind of divides the people on this platform and not so many others that are making it versus the ones that are like you're never going to get the fuck out of amateur land uh, you know it's because it's because quite yeah. frankly you just demand too much this like i wish i know i i am in control it's like that's, there's a difference between being in control and locking people out yeah right uh, yeah there is and and some people just enjoy I made it. that mistake myself a lot. Yeah. I have, you know. I think I I think about it. Think about it. Some people enjoy amateur land too. You know what I'm saying? Like some people are just kind of like this is kind of cool. Like I got you know, we've kind of made a joke out of the fact that I'll forget to change my scene sometimes, you know. You just kind of no lean power, into it. No responsibility. Right. Right? Yeah. You know, you just kind of you kind of play it to your advantage. Yes, I have a terrible aim in in a game that I play a lot of. Now that's right. something that's that's part of the you know that I've got you know an emote or you know there's a, there's a whole inside joke based off of you know the fact that I can't aim very well in a game like and that's fine. Um, you no, know, you turned that you turned that into an into a community inside joke, mm-hmm. and that's not like innovative as it is. 
tons of people do that. Yeah. Tons of people do that shit. Man, so much of, um, man, oh, I saw this the other day. This is kind of related, but like, um, man, fucking, um, they put all of the content, um, a lot of old Nickelodeon shows they put on, um, Paramount's stream service. Mm -hmm. Um, they put every episode of you can't do that on television. Wow. Old school. But the slime, that's where it came from. The green slime from Nickelodeon came from that show. And it was just kind of like a, yeah. I mean, seriously, it's like, the fuck did this come from? I was like, oh, it was just a fuck, just a silly fucking joke we did one time. And it was like, got a good laugh. And we had having some fun. And it was just like, you know, let's just keep going with it. And they just kept going with it. And then and, it just became, who's going to get slime this week? So it's, all, it's kept, always one. Well, and it's like, I mean, I've watched some of those episodes. It's like, wow. Like when you really look at it and think about it and people have written it down, you can go look it up. But like they, they had fun with that joke. That's a bad joke. Oh, we're going to say, I don't know. We're going to pour some slime on you. And it's like, they got so much mileage out of it. And it became, I mean, it became iconic, like literally iconic. Yeah. The reason why their whole logo was a splat for a long time was because of that slime. It's the prize you get. At, it's yeah. the real prize you get at the end of their award shows. If you win, mm-hmm. they bring you up and they slime your ass. And it's like, yeah. And again, it's like, it's a, it's just a bad joke that just kept going and it kept working and it's become indelible to the, um, to the culture of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. No, it, there's, there, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is emergent that way. Um, and there's something to be said about, you know, well, when you have this massive audience, man, then you start having, um, like I said, you start having all that power and you start having responsibility to them. Well, and, and then talk about like, you know, Carrie just said uh, it was Nickelodeon's 95 Mortal Kombat. It shouldn't have worked as well as it did. Yeah. The, the green slime. Yeah, pretty much. That is that is that is a great point. That's, That's a, a great, very good point. But I mean, think about like so. So Nickelodeon through the through the, you know, late uh, maybe maybe early 90s. Right. It was when all that was going on. I mean, think about how much like how big they got and like just how much creative lease happened that led into like the mid nineties where you started getting Ren and Stimpy and salute your shorts and all these like really weird, ah, real monsters, all these really weird cartoons that probably never would have seen the light of day at that time. They're just, they were just kind of like, well, people are liking weird. Let's lean weird. Let's keep going weird. And I think they just, it just had something to do with that time period. I don't know what it was. But like then, then you had everything came out. Then Nickelodeon kind of influenced the rest of animation, where all of a sudden now, on TBS you got Cat Dog, and you've got just all this really obscure cartoons that are just happening all over the place. I think I think that it was the I think what you're talking about at that time and with the network, it was the convergence of two big things. Number one, um, the release of cable, mm-hmm. which was a sea change when it comes to media and television. Cause prior to that, there were like five channels and that's it. But now you really can't have a lot more and you can have a lot more specialization. Well, and the need to fill all that new airspace that like, we got to put something here. We've got this channel we own, you know, like we don't have, they're like, well, what, what the fuck can we do? Like, well, we can just get, you know, get these cartoons that people are pushing well, on us, you know? 
Well, and and also, and and, and around the time of um, you can't do that on television. That was like that was holdover content. That was like that was a Canadian show. So much of Nickelodeon was Canadian stuff. A lot of their cartoons, mm-hmm. a lot of their cartoons, they got access to, and it was cheap because cartoons and content made in Canada, unlike in the United States, where our government does not fund filmmaking. All of our filmmaking in this country is private. All of it. However, in many other advanced countries, particularly Canada, no, they have a film board where they give grants to people to make shit. And I mean, most of their um, film and entertainment industry for a long time was just made up of that. Right. It was just a federalized version of public access. And we got a ton of that stuff because unlike in the American systems where all of that stuff is privatized and all that stuff is owned by private entities, well, technically that stuff is grant work and so it is owned by the government. And so it's much easier to make a deal for syndication. Mm. So that's how they got a hands on a lot of that shit. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, remember David the Gnome? Yeah. That was an old Canadian show. Oh. And all kinds, like all, a lot of that stuff, like those cartoons in that style. And some of them really were very weird and very bizarre. Some of them were shorts. Um, you had a lot of very fucked up shit that came from all different sources. Um, Danger Mouse was from Canada. Um, It was weird. And it was, yeah, it was all happenstance. But also at that time, um, around the 80s, man, that was during the Reagan administration and the deregulation of um, advertising to children. Mm. You know, in in terms of Nickelodeon, that was a big part of that place's popularity because, oh yeah, we can finally congregate an audience of children specifically children and that was a bonanza of marketing for people that were able to now market that shit which Mm -hmm. was mostly toy companies well and and i think you know (coughs) stemming off of that you know they got all that they they pulled all that programming down right from from canada and 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 all this you know cheaper cheaper made programming and then what they do at nighttime really really old syndication nick at night Nick at night was huge. Like I'm sure they were, they were getting the rights to rebroadcast that. Like for, it couldn't have been that much, you know, I mean, I'm sure it had, it costs a little bit, but it's like, look, it's going to be middle of the night. It's going to be some, some really old TV. What else are you doing with the library? Nothing. All right, fuck it. Put green acres on, you know? Well, it's also kind of strange too, because if you think about the schedule and the, again, this is at a time when algorithms were not deciding what we were watching. This is a time when people were actively programming things. There was a rhythm to Nickelodeon. There was a daily rhythm. It started like this in the early morning at about five or six o'clock. That's when like the youngest targeted programming started. That's when Nick Jr. was on in the mm-hmm. morning. And then in the afternoon, you kind of had a sea change and you get to a point where some point in the late afternoon, when around the time when grade school grade school kids are coming home, that's when the fucking game shows would come on. Right. That's when Double Dare would come on. That's when um like Legends of the Hidden Temple and um Nick Arcade and shit would come on. Yeah. And they were upping their age group a little bit. And then you remember on Saturday night, remember Snick on that? Snick. That was the stuff yeah. that was targeting to the oldest crowd. That was Roundhouse and fucking um Ren and Stimpy and um are you also, afraid of the dark? Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Hey, dude. Which, which is about as horror as you would get. Adventures of Pete and Pete, which yep. was, yeah, that that was like 
that was about as old as it got. And then after that, Nick at Night came on because children were not children were going to go to sleep right around eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And so you, it was pointless to you know have their programming on. But that was the rhythm. Nickelodeon every day got older. Started out with the youngest, and you just got older, and it worked that way. And and you had a you had a, you had the oldest segment on Saturday nights. Mm. And that was that was the programming block, and that was their system, and that's how they refined it and how they built it. I have no idea what it's like to watch Nickelodeon now. I couldn't imagine. I don't give a shit. But <laughs> I, I care about the old stuff that, that was on when I was a kid. And in examining that that stuff. I don't care. I don't care about the new crap. <laughs> I you know what? Honestly, I will you know what? I take that back. I would like to see. I know they did a, like a couple different versions of Double Dare. I would love to see a modern Double Dare, a modern take on it. Yeah. I know that they've done that before too. We've watched it, man. Yeah. No, man. I I remember I liked I liked the I liked that show Guts a lot. Guts was a lot of fun. Legends of the Hidden Temple was a shit ton of fun. Um Think Fast I always enjoyed. Have um, you seen the Star Wars version of Legends of the Hidden Temple? No. Did you know that one exists? No. I am dead serious. This is no this is not a this is not a joke. Ahmed Best, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks, mm-hmm. is the host. Is dressed up like a Jedi. And what? I shit you not, it is Legends of the Hidden Temple, but it's Star Wars. A bunch of kids are in a game show and they start off in like a handful of teams and it's like they do some bullshit initial thing and then it's like, okay, it's whittled down to just a couple and then it's like, okay, we're going to go through some bullshit Jedi training crap for you to play some little game and then it ends with like you go through some like bullshit training thing in the very end. It's, it's the fucking Legends of the Hidden Temple starring Jar Jar Binks. Where the fuck are they doing this at? You can find it online. I think that it's, well, I mean, it's Star Wars, so it's a Disney property. I'm pretty sure that it's on Disney Plus. But I know that, like, I saw I saw that full episode of it on uh, YouTube, of all things. But what was it? Yeah. Do you know, remember what it was called? Um, I don't, Let me look. Hold on. I Hold had down. no idea something like this existed. I mean, it it's, seems like it'd be... it's, it is, it is surreal. I mean, again, I'm way too old for it, but it's like, I like Legends of the Hidden Temple. If you like Legends of the Hidden Temple, you should really kind of check this out. <laughs> if, yeah. if, especially if you were into it, it's like, you'll kind of dig it. Just It's not the same, but it's like, it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah. But even like, um, what was it? Uh, Double Dare and, and, and shows of the like. Just Okay. Go ahead. It's called Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. <laughs> oh, it's not it's very a, subtle, it's, is it? It's a it's it's a YouTube <laughs> series. So go on YouTube and you can see it. Jedi Temple Challenge. Oh, okay. Well, they, they at least they at least they, they kind of gave a nod to uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> it's hosted by Ahmed Best. He's not in makeup or anything, but he's like <laughs> Did dressed old- like a Jedi. Looks looks like a Jedi, man. <laughs> Carrie says, "Does Olmec Juan Kenobi co-host?" <laughs> Man, I I gotta see. I, I I'm I'm curious if they finished out their season because, like, oh god, this was a while back. Let me see. Let me see here. Yeah, it's on the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. Wow. Oh man, I yeah they dude they made a they made a couple of these man they made a season of this shit that's crazy and it's the fucking legends of the Hidden Temple. they got like it looks great 
it's like they've got like props and shit, but it's like, dude, they got lightsabers and shit. Well produced and everything, huh? It's like you remember how it was like, yeah, again, it's like a bunch of kids, and it's like yeah, they were like colored teams. Yeah, and it was like blue, it was like barracudas and snakes and shit. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like it's just they don't have animals. It's like nope, it's just the blue team and the red team, and the orange team and shit. And they got a they got a person dressed up as a droid. These sets look pretty interesting. It's like it's bullshit little activities, and they got the climbing wall. One point yeah. five million views. Jedi Temple Challenge. Wow. Yeah, exactly. One point. You know, you know, you know. People watch this. They're fucking kids. That's how I know about it. A friend of mine told me he watched it with a kid. That's. I was telling him to watch right. the old the old Ewok movies and stuff. And he told me about this, like, what the hell? This is nuts, right? That's like absolutely really, really well produced. Wow. Okay. It's a YouTube series for fuck's sake, man. <laughs> that's in, that's insane. He's got like a droid beside him. The kids have a little droid beside them. Like that's Olmec. Olmec's a droid. Olmec's the droid. See what I mean? It's like it's it's en- enough of it is similar, but it's like enough of it is different that it's actually kind of its own thing. That's insane. but it's like but it's like it's Legends of the Hidden Temple because again w- I want to come back to that because this is kind of a divergence, but sure. that that show that was one of their better fucking game shows. That's the thing, man. Nickelodeon, it's midday block of game shows. Nick Arcade was cool as fuck. Yeah, it was. It was maybe poorly executed, but the idea of like, oh yeah, dude, no, we're gonna have these kids play like some Nintendo games and they're gonna compete for a while and then they're gonna do the green screen quote unquote virtual reality stuff. It's like I mean, come on. We're, we're broadcasting on Twitch. You're you're telling me that like making making shows about playing video games, having people watch it was a bad idea. Are you kidding? A little ahead of its time. I remember thinking it was ridiculous that people would go to go to uh fucking what's the name? StarCraft tournaments yeah in 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 stadiums mm-hmm. overseas i'm like what the whole the whole esports community you know mm. you ever you ever seen you ever seen where they stream fucking smash brothers competition it's i've, they I've cramp thousands they cramp thousands of people in those um conference rooms i've been at those competitions when i went uh when i broadcast from dreamhack and we get for a free weekend past to dreamhack in atlanta and i was just like all right well let's just walk around and those things will be going on and the fucking seats are packed people watching a- people play uh play smash brothers and then you know obviously you have the other you know PUBG and fortnite and all this all that stuff going on they have a collegiate fucking league of like uga and just the, the sec has their e-sports. own sports yeah, it's crazy sports man it's in and, and again once upon a time not mm. too long ago 15 years ago that was seen as like ah oh, well maybe we'll see and it's like no dude it's huge now i mean go and back it's, like, it's not that it didn't exist evo yeah. Evo was around in 2007. That's like one of the key moments. You like you go if you type in Evo um, 2007 Street Fighter, mm-hmm. you'll see it was insane. Like have you ever you ever seen that? It's like a video of um oh it's um it's this amazing video and I've seen gifs of it all the time. It was like it was a big auditorium with thousands of people in there. They're playing Street Fighter three where you could parry moves. It was the last fight of the last of the last match of the last ladder of competition. It was the final deciding match. It was Ken versus Chun-Li and 
Chun Li like triggered a super move that had like 15 moves, and Ken parried every single one and fucking smashed her to win. That place erupted. Yeah. It was like one of those things where the stars aligned, and it was like one of those moments that like shouldn't have happened, but it was a huge buildup for the whole weekend. And mm-hmm. it like it was caught on camera. If you go and watch it online, it's incredible to watch. But that was 2007, and like, dude, even then, it was like that's a huge moment. It was a landmark watershed moment for the whole of the um, of the scene because everybody agreed that no, that was amazing. That was that like that felt like a truly incredible, great historic moments in sports, and it kind of is. Yeah, people point back at that as like everybody has been chasing that high. Well, there, there's that. We, we keep pumping money into it. We yeah. keep attracting people, but we keep chasing that one moment. And they'll see it again. They'll see another moment where, no, nah, man, you'll get two people at the very end where it is really close. and Or you'll get somebody who comes along. There are people out there like like Sonic Fox and shit. We have yet to see the esports Michael Jordan, but I believe they have been born. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, and that's the thing, like, it's it's that kind of moment though too like it's it's so familiar from so many different realms like you could just be there just halfway know what's going on and then once you're once you once you're kind of locked in on a match like that then the the rest of the crowd like you feel it with the rest of the crowd which is kind of crazy and i mean you say you know you say 15 years ago or so right like 10 15 years ago i mean think about how it existed in small pockets before that i mean it's at some point you know you we we remember walking into an arcade and why are there 10 people standing behind these guys while they're playing right like why why is that the case and then all of a sudden you know you start seeing street fighter and other fighting games like tekken and stuff like that all of a sudden now they're showing up with a cabinet that's not even a cabinet anymore it's a console that's attached to a giant screen right and so so people can stand around Absolutely. You know, no, what I'm and, this, and, and you know, no, I'm and no, and I'm glad you bring this up too. Mm-hmm. I have mentioned this many times when I have come on your show. I have spoken, I have spoke long about the legend that was Gunther's games. And you're right. Like this is, this is a wonderful dovetail back to mortal Kombat and how we started this conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I remember the time when mortal Kombat two was huge and Street Fighter 2 hyper fighting was really big. It had just come out and like people were really digging how, oh no, this game goes a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There were times where it's like you would see that like, I mean, people would be like crowding around new games. Like, like when Samurai Showdown first came out. Yeah. That really was just something very different. When Darkstalkers hit the scene it was a it was street fighter but it's not street fighter it's different you know gunther's games was great because they had that they had that kind of setup like you're talking about they had projector setups and they just had boards that they would switch out and they would have two of them side by side in a really really dark recessed area yeah that looked like a theater and they were big massive screens and um they rotated a bunch of stuff and kept it very fresh that was that was it, man. That was the height of the gaming area. That is some of that was one of my favorite. This was my favorite moments in all of gaming. And was playing fighting games at that arcade and playing Mortal Kombat and shit at that arcade. 
yeah and and just all of a sudden these tiny like not even tournaments but like these this, this these tiny groups would form up and you're like holy shit people are watching me like i remember playing crazy taxi and all of a sudden you look to your right and there's like two people on one side of you and not two other people on the other side watching you pick up your fares just because you're doing well you know it's you know it's kind of like people crowding around the craps table when someone's on a hot roll right like it's yeah. it's it's very much that feeling and i mean they you know all kinds of events have gone to try and 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 set up these different things crabler here in chat says i got to work in dreamhack in austin in 2018 and it was amazing they built an enormous multi-story stage for PUBG with separate booths for each of the competing teams as teams were eliminated, they turn off the lights to their booth, so you just watch the team, uh, watch as team after team went dark, which sounds cool as shit to me. Like to create that visual aspect of like this team is fucking done and you can't see them anymore. Um, like there's just really cool aspects to the whole thing, and you know, I it's do. For, it's like a for real version of that scene from The Wizard that was just an ad for Super Mario Brothers three, and like as you're watching that movie, it's like the fuck is this but yeah what you described and all that stuff it's like no they did something way more bombastic and expensive but it was for fucking real yeah yeah and if someone would get eliminated on the wizard and like the steam would shoot up and somehow that movie was so dark. prophetic dude somehow that movie was so prophetic it's such a bizarre little artifact but man the last scene of that movie it's like you get there and you're watching it's like this is the most this is the most donkey ball stupid shit ever yeah. What kind of dumbass, you know, fucking five year old wet dream is this? It's like, who did Fred Savage fire after this you, piece you of know, shit movie? <laughs> you have no, you, you you know nothing. You have no idea. Someone saw the future and made this movie, and you are the fools. Mm. They 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 will have the last laugh. Well, Nintendo had the last laugh because it was a gigantic commercial for <laughs> Super Mario Brothers three, which was an astronomical hit for them. <laughs> people showed up in the, the, that movie made money because people wanted to see foot, just a little bit of footage from a game that was going to be out later that California. year. California. <laughs> oh man. Fucking Christian Slater and Bo Bridges in that movie. Man, dude, that was honestly, that's some of the, that's some of the most surreal shit in my, in my life watching Bo Bridges argue with Christian Slater about how, no, you need to leave Bo Bridges alone and let him, he's playing Zelda two right now. <laughs> he's getting the flute. Shut the fuck up, Christian Slater and leave him alone. He's busy. It's amazing. That, like what the Nintendo money did, man. Like, did you watch, uh, what was that fucking, uh, documentary series that came out last year about arcade games and gaming? Um, on Netflix, uh, someone in chat will throw it up there in a minute, but they went through like each, like gener they, they kind of started early and they started with like the early generation consoles and they moved up through that and they started, they had, they were talking to, um, people who used to work for the Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo hotline and how, you know, yeah. how that all worked. And, um, you know, they talked to some of those people who were part of those early, um, competition i think i have i think i have seen that there was a lot of interviews with the people that were working at that call center and mm -hmm. like there was one dude in particular who worked there and everybody remembered and shit because he was really into it and he was quite good and he kind of he was the one that was like all about like they didn't realize it at the time because it was like it's a 900 number and it's like he was the one saying it's like no man you should like talk to them and try and walk them through it and like ask well did you try the blah blah blah, blah. and it's like the dude was like 
actually on the one hand like getting people to be really good on the phone but he was keeping people on this fucking phone lines which was making a killing for them yeah um right? it's called high score yeah yeah he was he had that whole playbook i have seen i have seen that yeah. I, do, I do know what that is yeah that it, is a pretty cool documentary yeah the 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 they had the one that was called this is war which was number the, the fourth episode that was uh, all about how sega genesis kind of became a player and they hired this uh, one guy who had nothing to do with video games like but he came in as the ceo of sega he's like here's what we need to do and it was very like we need to go after mario we need to make fun of them we need to be cooler than them. Like we gotta go after the older and and he made Sega Genesis like the a player next to next to uh, Nintendo, which is crazy. Um, That's they, wild. They did a whole episode on Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter too, just a, a whole forty three minute episode on both of them. You know, it's weird. Like honestly, that's something that you know. There's a lot of documentary footage that you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. Um. I've told you, I, I'm pretty sure I've recommended this before. Um, the Lost Arcade on Amazon. The Lost Arcade? I think you have, yeah. That's a, that's a documentary about Chinatown Market. Um, in New York City, in Chinatown, there was this arcade called um, Chinatown Fair. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinatown Fair was just a dumpy old arcade. And like during the heyday of arcades, it's like, man, that place was not where people went. Right. But eventually arcades went away but chinatown fair stuck around for a long time and chinatown fair was the for many years the only arcade on manhattan island Mm -hmm. and um it was the fighting game scene yeah it was like it was the place where people came from all over the world and they would go to new york and they would go to this one arcade just to challenge the best players at marvel versus capcom 2 it was a big institution and then the owner sold it and it was kind of a big to do and um, it was going away. And so people from the New York area went back. They made a Facebook page saying, hey, man, Chinatown Fair is going to go away. We need to go back, man. There's like there's generations of people who have all kinds of memories about this place. Yeah. So the guy who made the film went there, took his camera and met a lot of people with a lot of stories about this place because this was just some dumpy arcade. But it meant a lot to people, and so they made a movie about it. And they, it's about this place, and it's it's about the people that work there. It's one dude, who um, big black guy, who um, basically tells this really um, this very harrowing story at first. But it's it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, when he started living on the streets when he was ten, because so he was in foster care. And he you know, kind of rolled the dice whether or not people you know like you or don't like you. And it finally got to a point where it's like there was one that you just didn't like him. And so he was living in the city in New York and he just just stopped going to school. He just lived on the subways. And he liked the arcades because A, um, the arcades were fun, they had games, but um he figured out it's like, man, there's money all over the floor. There's money under these cabinets. <clears throat> and money meant food. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's living on the streets, you know, food is important. Um, but also hanging around in arcades and stuff and riding the subways. That's how he got away from truant officers. And he didn't go to school after 10. And he just hung out in arcades and he worked in this place. And he was, he worked in this place for a long time, but he was like, again, when I talk about the fighting game scene, it is a very underground thing. Yeah. And he was at the heart of it. He was working at this place and he organized this stuff and he really knew that yeah, people from all over the world, there are a lot of there are a lot of Japanese players 
who come here because this is where the best players in New York City play because this is the only place where there's a fucking arcade. Right. And then there's another dude who worked there who used to fix the machines and like the stories about them, stories about their memories of it and their story about their lives after the place goes away because again, it was made in the wake of this place closing but it's like about the Pakistani man who ran it for like 40 fucking years and about how it got its start like this place had a, it, as an arcade, again, back in like the 70s when like right around the time of Pong and shit, this had like a live chicken game where it was yeah. some sort of coin operated thing or whatnot. But it's it's bizarre. It's a great movie. It's a really good movie. It's about it's about arcades, but it's about it's about it's about the fighting game scene. Yeah, um, it's still anything because. It- it's still it's still on Prime Video. It's called The Lost Arcade. Yeah. Came out in 2017. Um, I just added it to my list. It looks really good. Um, you will love that movie. Yeah, you'll love it because it's um, it's got a it's a very different kind of New York. Um, it's all about New York. It's all about New York over over a period of time. It is it is it, it will it will it's a time capsule. Some of the things that like I've never been to New York. But like some of the footage of the arcades there are like, oh my god, I can only imagine what it was like to play in those places. Because you know this, man. Arcades were a moment in time. They're yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. They're gone. The the way things used to be when arcades were big and they were actually making new games and stuff. Like, I remember they had whole I had whole warehouses devoted to these things. Yeah. Um, they did, and. uh it's interesting you're talking about the fighting the 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 fighting game scene and and the tournaments and stuff like that. Someone we went to school with actually uh, actually ended up becoming a pretty big player in that after we got out of school, um, and uh, just he, he lived in Atlanta for a while and and DJed for a while and then decided you know what I'm gonna go after this. He moved out to California and he started organizing these huge Street Fighter tournaments. Um, to the point where he uh, he ended up getting a job with Capcom, and uh, and and I think he still works for them. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. I tried to when we went to California um, a while back. We stayed in in the San Francisco area, which is where Capcom's based, and I tried to get in touch with him. But I mean, I'm sure he's busy as hell. But like he he like he saw that so long ago. Like it's amazing when you look at people who were like they saw. You know, like what gave you that insight, like to know that that was coming. <clears throat> and I guess it's just like being, you know, exposed to the right things at the right time. But yeah, he he's made a pretty good living off of starting there. Now he works for Capcom and it's kind of crazy. Um, it's, you know, it, it's. It's interesting. Um, you know, I talk about I talk about arcades being gone. And that the thing is, I also know, I mean, I'll, I'll counter that myself. I'll undermine my own point. That's not true. Arcades are very much alive. Yeah. You know, you know, those arcade one up machines. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're these. Okay. So they're like, for people who don't know, and people are listening. It's like a three quarter inch or, or I'm sorry, a three quarter scale of an arcade machine. So it's not, it's not a full size cabinet. It's like, I want to say, um, it's maybe about um, oh, it's actually. I mean, it's smaller than a washing machine. 
Yeah, and it has you know? to like unless you buy the riser that it goes on, you have to like set it on a table yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they're tiny. I've seen them before. But the thing that's amazing about that is it's like, man, dude, they've just been gangbusters. Mm. They dude, they have over 20 cabinets now. Yeah. They just keep adding and adding and like they're into a whole new phase where they've made stuff like they they're making stuff like I mean, check out their website and like see their like Atari collection stuff. Dude, those cabinets look sick. They're very, they're, they're not cheap. These things are 400 bucks a pop. Some of them. And they're Ikea furniture with a nice flat screen inside and some somewhat cheap controls, but they're very easy to build. And, um, they've got a four, they've got a four player X-Men arcade cabinet. You can get, they got a four player Ninja Turtle one. They got a four player golden axe, four player, four player NBA jam. Wow. Uh, they they've got a, I think I've seen a Mortal Kombat two and I don't know if they do it anymore but they have made they've made a lot of waves yeah. well they've made multiples they made like they make a wave and then they like make new ones and stuff but here's the thing if you look at those Atari machines they one of the things that's common about a lot of these games is like they 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 give you a cabinet with like five games in it which mm-hmm. is nice but what they've been doing and this is kind of a, a direction they're going. They don't put any game names on the Atari cabinet. Atari cabinet art looks amazing and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. It says Atari and it's got a great stuff, but no games on there. And they've also they've made the NBA Jam game available for netplay. And they've allowed it for these things to connect to wirelessly over an internet. The idea is that they might start selling cabinets and packages where you can just update them with new games. Hmm. And also make it so that you can play multiplayer with some of these games like <clears throat> fighting games in particular that's got a lot of appeal that's complicated yeah you got to start somewhere <clears throat> but it's also kind of helpful where it's like i mean you know that's the way they want you to do it for a long time i mean people have been taking these things and gutting them and modding them you can put a mr fpga or a um, raspberry pi unit in there and just emulate whatever you want in the thing right you know um like take for instance that teenage mutant ninja turtles machine Mm -hmm. i've seen people do all kinds of great shit they'll they'll put lit led buttons in there Mm -hmm. a lit marquee in there um the uh there's the outrider like the car game yeah outrider there's i've seen like they they have like they'll sell you a special one that's like 500 600 where it's like oh they have a seat and shit you can sit in i'm seeing i'm looking at it right now (laughs) i've seen people who are like oh man fuck that i like that thing's that thing's tiny it's three quarters what it used to be so it's like well it's not fun to sit in if you're a big dude so they're like fuck this man i'll just take the normal unit and i'll build an actual chair and then they build a fucking racing chair for this fucking thing and they mod it out like that but <laughs> i've seen people make big huge control consoles where it's like they put in a track rolling ball so they can play those rolling ball old games and stuff mm. dude the community is in a vibrancy it hasn't been in a long time because normal players have never been interacting with it like this but when i think about it like honestly cabinets aren't complicated it's just a console in a box you build a computer and you put a screen and some speakers and a power supply and some controllers in there mm-hmm. and you put it in a wooden box. That's it. And there's some lighting that maybe you do. And it's like, yeah, you wire up the buttons, but it's like that stuff's really 
absurdly simple. Mm-hmm. You can um, you can very easily drill a hole in the side of one of these things and set up like USBs. Where if you want to just play like old Nintendo games and stuff, you can just hook that up into it, or you can emulate PlayStation games in them. That yeah. stuff's that stuff's all been done many a time. And honestly, like <clears throat> as cool as that is, I think a lot about that old Gunther setup. That would be the ultimate thing. Oh yeah, Gunther's came back for a little bit, right? And then they went away again. Yeah. But it, again, it wasn't the same. It came back. Yeah, it wasn't the same. And I think a big part of it was they didn't have those arcade machines. Mm-mm. That was a big part of what they didn't have. And when they didn't have those arcade machines, that community and that crowd didn't come back. It's never been replicated, never been tried again. I wonder about that. Like, I've seen lots of bar arcades. I've never seen a place that was dedicated to fighting games. There are that that arcade documentary. That is an ar- there is an arcade in there that is a modern arcade that is like no it is about the fighting game scene and they have they have tournaments and they stream shit weekly and they are kind of the heart of um big time New York fighting game which is like kind of a you know a big scene to be a part of just in the grander sphere of esports but yeah. I've never seen like a bar do the setup that they had at Gunther's they didn't even have that there where it's like again imagine imagine um To kind of to paint the pictures, like imagine kind of a recessed wall, and everything's painted black. The ceiling, the the walls, and on the floor it's black. And then you have a projected screen, and it's big. Mm-hmm. Like, and imagine you wouldn't even these days need to do like a projected screen. Just put up like a like a seventy inch four K TV, which these days probably gets you one for fifteen hundred bucks if you find the right spot here online. Yeah, right. And then. Instead of it being like, 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 you know, it would be like a bar that's like an actual, like, stuck to the floor, bolted to the floor piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. But like, that would be the control deck. And then, yeah, like, have that available inside establishments, have like multiples of them, and right. have it so that when people come in, you don't you don't pay with the quarters that's silly you you rent the unit you rent the unit for a period of time and then you can just like turn on and play whatever you want in there and i've seen plenty of arcades that do that there are plenty this is something i've wondered about and i don't think it's a problem i don't think anybody cares and i don't think there's nothing there, there is anything to be done about it it's not enforceable i've seen plenty of places where they are barcades where they have like they literally have an emulation station set up where um, they have set it up to where the coin box, instead of it, instead of pressing the select button, it's just triggering the select button when it hits the coin box, which is the way the arcade machine used to work. Right. Is it's just, it's just triggering um, a little, um, a little hit box whenever a coin goes down in there. And I know that they're not paying out for all the many hundreds of games that they have in there to everybody. Right, they don't have a deal with Nintendo for that shit, much less all the graphics and stuff they have on the unit. But they're making plenty of money on there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that would be interesting. That'd be kind of cool. Again, I haven't I haven't seen like a barcade place do that where it is focused on fighting games because I've seen plenty of these bar places where it's like 
the bar is the, the attraction or it's like, oh, there's like a dance floor and shit. That's great. I want, I want a place where it's like, well, no, it's actually a fighting game arcade. It just happens to sell beer. Right. And I've seen that. Yeah. There's, I've, I've been in some interesting, uh, barcade setups, um, out in Oregon, there was a, there's a, uh, it's not, not necessarily just fighting games, but there's an arcade, um, themed, uh, brewery level up brewing. Um, they have a bunch of arcade machines. They're actual, it's kind of cool. Their actual beer menu is a giant screen and they just built a giant arcade cabinet around the screen. So when you're looking at their beers, there's like, you know, there's not a working joystick or anything like that, but they've got it. It looks like the menu of a, of an arcade game. It's kind of neat. Um, and uh, then I've been to, uh, I went to a, a barcade speakeasy um, type of place when I was in, San, no, it was in Boston. It was at, uh, where was that? That was, uh, I forget what the name of the restaurant was, but it was in, you basically, you go inside and it's just a normal ass place that does like sandwiches and burgers and stuff like that, right? Um but they've got the, the you got they got this one person that's just standing next to this what looks like a refrigerator door like a giant industrial refrigerator door, and yeah. you just go up and say oh I'm going to whatever the name of the place is and they're like oh okay and they open this big refrigerator door and you got to step into a room they close it behind you and then the other door opens and it's a full arcade with two bars, um, nice. it's really fucking cool and then at each of the bars. There's a giant TV up behind the behind the bartender, and if no one's playing, you can ask for the controllers and you can play whatever they've got sitting there on the console, along with all the cabinet arcade machines that are all throughout the place. Um, several Sick, lots of man. lots of pinball and stuff like that. So people are playing Mortal Kombat. Like at the time, I think I don't think Eleven had come out yet. So people were playing Mortal Kombat X, um, like right there at the bar while you're drinking, um, and then the I think the other one had. I forget what the other the other bar had some other game going on behind it, um, and then of course you know you can you can get quarters and they'll put it on your tab. You know you open up a tab just like you do with any other bar. And like oh, I want ten dollars in quarters. They put it on your tab. They hand you a cup full of quarters, uh, and then you go hit the hit the machines for a while. Um, but yeah, it was in Boston and it was so fucking fun, man. Um, it was it was really cool and it was you know it was a it was a tight spot you know so there was there were you know your it felt very old school because they had some booths for you to sit around in and have drinks and and the restaurant you could actually order from the restaurant and they would bring it in to the arcade for you to eat. Um, it's really neat, really neat concept. No, I remember you. So there were a couple. I, I know that they're not all there still, but like there were a couple. There were a couple attempts at arcades in Athens, right? Um. Mm, well, yeah. There's one called uh, I think it's. Wonderland is uh is is in Athens and I don't know if it's still open since the pandemic. I've been back downtown since then, but um it was kind of a barcade. They had a few cabinets. Um they had and they had a big screen that you could uh you could play a few different consoles on. Um you could just reserve time on them or whatever. Um right. and then they had for a while they had we had an arcade uh that you could go to. It didn't serve any uh alcohol. They only had snacks. But it was downtown, so all you had to do was step out. But they stamp your hand. You pay like twenty bucks, uh, and it was good for twenty four hours, right, or for however long they were open that day. Uh, and you go in, and everything was on free play, which 
was cool, but it kind of sucked at the same time because then you kind of take away the aspect of really having to try hard, right? Like <laughs> you just kind of be like, oh, well, I lost. And I'll just continue. I'll continue. I'll continue. Um, I got to well, beat. That's, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, when you try to think about. Again, you know, in the further undermining of me telling me that me me saying um, so authoritatively that it's like, no, arcades are dead. It's like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. We have seen an, an evolution of this business model because that's the problem. It's the money. Mm. The reason why arcades failed, quote unquote, is it's like you can't you can't sucker us into that quarter when they i mean seriously we knew it was bullshit with mortal Kombat. one of the things about mortal Kombat that i do remember is like that was when we were getting into the period of bullshit of like mortal Kombat was the first one i saw it with it was like 50 cents mm. fuck you yeah it costs a quarter what the fuck it's like no it's 50 cents a play and it's like that's a bullshit we well, had even street fighter 2 was a quarter yeah well and you had like at that same time you were also dealing with the you were talking about the first time where things were transitioning to oh i've got this at home why am i going to put 50 cents in that like i've got exactly. mortal Kombat 2 at home like that's where things started to kind of go downhill and it was like all right uh you know i'm not what's my what's my drive to come here anymore because before it, the drive was, I don't have an Asteroids machine at my house. I can only play Asteroids here. So that's why I'm going to do that. Um, Robo Baron Chat says, I worked at one, an arcade. We added a gaming cafe like thing full of consoles and gaming PCs. Lots of kids play, uh, lots of, oh, lots of kids play Fortnite on it. Um, and we also had a VR game. It was $6 for one play, six bucks for a play through a VR game. And, I mean, you know, Dave and Buster's. Mm-hmm. Dave and Buster's is an evolution on this. Um, I remember there was a place. Um, ever tell you about Boardwalk USA? I believe so. Go ahead. For, to refresh people, um, there is a classic episode of um, South Park where um, the kids go to Casa Bonita, a Mexican-themed restaurant. Casa That's Bonita is a real place in um, Denver, Colorado. And it's a magnificent restaurant and um, probably something we can talk about another time. But right. next door to Casa Bonita um, for a number of years was a warehouse. Um, it was some sort of big box store. It would have housed a, like a supermarket or something. But at some point, it got bought up and it got turned into this place called Boardwalk USA. Boardwalk USA was a massive warehouse filled with arcade cabinets. And they did not take quarters. You went up to this machine that, like, you had this card, and it's like you swipe the card, and it's like, okay, um, you can put some money in here, mm-hmm. and it puts time on the card. And they had this, honestly, I when I figured this out, and I kind of got my mom to wrap her head around it, it's like, hey, do you really want to, like, make me happy and, like, get, have me get <laughs> out of your hair for, like, eight hours? Why don't you just give me... They had a deal where it's like if you if you went on Saturday and you went before 12 you could pop in 10 bucks and get eight hours worth of time. Damn. Now this was not all the machines because it was like all the, like all like the good machine, like the new machines, like mortal Kombat three and shit. You had to put fucking quarters in that, like a normal person. Sure. Yeah. And they, yeah. Cause it's like, man, that was like, no, nah, that's going to be 50 cents a play. And it's like, okay. But like, I'm talking all the other games, like 
everything else, all the other cabinets that were like three years older, or three three years or older, mm-hmm. where it was like you could just take this card and it's like you could finally play these games and like finish them. Like you could play that, you could play that Terminator game. You remember the game with the, the two oh, guns yeah. for Terminator Two? Yep. And it's like, I mean, honestly, when I remember playing that game, that was where I first beat that game. Yeah. It's like, God, how many times did I swipe this fucking card? <laughs> How many how many quarters would I have pumped into this motherfucker to have beaten in the day? And yeah, it's like we knew that at the time. It's like there were some games that like I remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first time I played it, it's like I played it on my birthday and I played it in an arcade. And my my dad gave me as many fucking quarters as I wanted that night. Right. And I don't know how much I beat it with, but it's like some of these games, like some of those side scroll beat em ups. Think about it. You're probably going to have to put in like 20, 25 bucks just to beat a game. Yeah. Carrying just well, said half ho- hour piece of shit game. House of the Dead, $10 later. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And nowadays with emulation, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. You really get a sense of the, of what those old arcade games were like. It's not that it isn't fun to play them, dude. Mm-hmm. You remember, um, we've talked about this. I, 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 I can't figure it out, but like, that's the thing about like some of these cabinets that are great and making me think about it again. Some of these experiences you can't really do over the internet. Mm-mm. That's not, that's, it's not, you were, you're not supposed to play arcade X-Men like that. Right. You're supposed to play it crumped together with three other fucking people, all with your hands within a foot of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're supposed to play some of these games. And it is an interesting experience. Like there's so many of them. There's yeah. that Spider-Man game. You remember that the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man beat him up game. Yeah, I do. There's um, that fucking alien versus predator game. All those, all those um, uh, Neo Geo games, the side scroller games that, that were on that. So many fucking games that you can play on arcade now that you can actually like play and finish and complete. You know, yeah. and it's just there's there's so many of them. How do you how do you justify these days? Back then, it was a fucking warehouse of all those games. And that was magnificent. How do you justify that in a bar these days? Well, yeah, it's taking not, a valuable space, right? If not using one of these modded boxes to be able to just have access to all of it, but how the fuck do you set up a business model for that? Are you really going to go through all the trouble necessary to be able to set up? Oh no, you can like have like a quarter for all these things. It's like, I guess that can be done, but that ups with a whole can of worms as far as like, well, are people going to come looking for rights and stuff like that? And cause I know that that's how a lot of people get around it. The whole, well, you just have people come to you and it's like, well, here, here's five bucks. Can I come play for two hours? Right. That's how you can get around that. It's like, you're not they're not you're not selling them the games you're renting the venue it's a weird it, it's 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 fucked up but it's that's how you can go and you can yeah. play like Mortal Kombat 11 in these kinds of games that these games are never intended to be sold and then people come and play them on a per play basis but it's like no that's that's a game lounge right you're, you're renting you're renting the time yeah you're renting the time um yeah, it's. I mean, the first two games I beat when when that one arcade was here in town that you could just pay the twenty bucks and play. I think I, the first thing I went and beat was uh, Altered Beast. Um, I went and beat Altered Beast, and then uh, what was it? Uh, then the Terminator game. I you brought it up, the Terminator game, which took for fucking ever. And I'm just gonna like, I don't know. Who's, X. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know Revolution how much money. Revolution X. Right. Aerosmith. <laughs> Ow. Music. 
is the weapon. <laughs> Someone in chat Sorry said, to said you. What, were you, "What were you saying, man?" Someone in chat said, "I've never beat an arcade game. I up until that point, I haven't either. I, I can't think of a single. I mean, I think maybe." maybe house of the dead but i wouldn't know why uh, probably because um i had gotten like a bunch of tokens on a birthday or something like that to go to the arcade um one of one one of one of my um happiest memories yeah my childhood with my father my father did not play a lot of video games my father had an accident with his hand mm -hmm. um made it very difficult but there was one arcade game that he loved and he was very good at and he really enjoyed playing that was smash tv because I was a dual stick shooter. Oh yeah. And he loved that game. And one of my, one of my very favorite memories, one of my most special memories when I was a young boy was when I went to visit him for a summer and I used to go play arcades with him um, when I hang out. And we, um, I remember, I remember when we first found um, smash TV, my father like kind of really took to that game. Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't the same as pushing buttons and he could handle it with his hands just fine. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we first played that. Like my father, my father, hardly did this you know unless it was like a reason to but especially not a game that he himself would play my father ripped out a 20 dollar bill and like we pumped all we we pumped like 20 30 bucks into that machine and beat it right there wow and that is one of my favorite goddamn arcade machines smash tv is one of the greatest goddamn games ever made hmm. ever it's magnificent it's it is the you remember the running man with arnold schwarzenegger where he's like in a in a game show and it's like evil mm -hmm. he has to kill people and yeah. like everybody's like rabid, like watching it like a you know coliseum, and it's just like it's like total bullshit '90s game show. And there's like a game show host and shit. It's that in a video game, and it's a two-player shooter, top-down shooter. And yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the. Uh, oh my god! Smash this TV is cabinet. The game, this is the game that Ed Boon and team made before Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So great! What to, a wonderful way to come back to it to to bring this, it all back around, right? This game. This game has Ed Boon's voice. Ed Boon has his voice in a couple of Mortal Kombat stuff, but he's in this game, especially Smash TV, two, two dual stick shooter. Man, this game is incredible. It's not very long. Yeah. It's three levels, but it's like, it was this crazy, it was like a dungeon crawl, but you had guns and you picked up like, you know, gun enhancements. It was very much like Contra in that sense. Mm. Big boss at the end crazy shit very violent game but it was like all about big money big prizes oh, i love it had the <laughs> host come in and scream that shit yeah. you went around getting money and vcrs and crap and getting guns and killing people right it was like it sent a whole bunch of mutants and stuff after you to kill you and it was just a big coliseum and it was a big tv show that people were cheering and laughing and playing you on with that was one of the best fucking arcade games ever smash That's tv really cool. is awesome and oh, they've yeah. they've been able to reproduce it because I mean, like you know how controllers have two sticks, mm -hmm. so you can play it. It's Robotron, you know. Yeah, same kind of thing. It's it's oh man, great game. That's what great, someone in chat game. even says. Smash TV looks a lot like Robotron. Yeah, it is very. It is very similar. It's um, it's a video game Rock'em Sock'em kind of situation. You just got these two levers. They made like a they made like a pseudo sequel called Maximum Carnage. Mm -hmm. which is sort of the same. It's not a show anymore. It's more like a, it's the same kind of control screen, the same basic ideas, but it's made by the same people, but it's like, it's not a show. It's like you're a commando and you're trying to save people from 
aliens and the media like it's all framed throughout the media who's covering it and they're giving a weird version of it it's not a very good game um smash tv <laughs> is a is a proper and decent video game and you should you should care about that and play that and not worry about anything else that they made um but it was it, it was like it was really magnificent and um yeah it was the game they it was the game ed boone and team made and then they moved on and um they moved they made mortal kombat wow I, uh, but it's, I didn't realize it's that. really great and now. And well, now that you mention it, I do remember because I think when uh, it, maybe it was even in that uh, that arcade uh, docu series on Netflix. I think that they had briefly mentioned Smash TV because they were talking about the what brought upon Mortal Kombat. And they're like, well, we worked on Smash TV before. I think that that's what I think that's how I knew that. Smash TV. Smash TV is a classic game, um, beloved by a lot of people. It's one of those things where it's like, again, we're, you know, we're talking about Arcade One Up, and they keep releasing new stuff and new cabinets, um, and they're great games. And it's collections of games. I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later they release a dual stick shooter cab that has Robotron, Smash TV, and Maximum Card in it. That'd be great. They've been doing that a lot. They they've got some great collections of stuff. Like you know, people in the chat have been talking about like the X Men um, beat them up and stuff. That's come out. There's there's been a lot of really, really great Marvel fighting games. Well, we had remember the Simpsons one. The Simpsons one was really good too. There's, you know what? What's unfortunate about their Simpsons cabinet is like it's just surely you can put other games with it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like side-scrolling beat 'em up cab collections they have that are pretty interesting and pretty awesome. That one's one of their weaker ones, unfortunately. Their Golden Axe cabinet's incredible just incredible yeah um they have like like the the more recent one i think it's like golden x4 um that game i don't remember seeing it very often but that game was awesome that was another one of those games it's like well i mean you pay some money to play through all the way but if you have like full free play on it some of those games are fun to just play through one time like the way you would watch a b movie one time just to check it out right right just you know, to, like just sunset writers you know yeah how many times how many times you need to beat that but it's still like that's still a great game sunset riders oh my goodness all those all those beat-em-ups all those beat-em-ups you they are meant and they're designed to be played with four people all together and it's like yeah they're they're not supposed to last more than a half hour sunset you know, riders was also really big on super nintendo right they made a version of i remember um i remember the version they made was was pretty good it was two player you can do four player on it right much like the ninja turtles game but i do remember so the ninja turtles turtles in time mm-hmm. that was the sequel to the first arcade game in the arcades but right. they made a version for super nintendo the super nintendo version is superior to the arcade version oh it's it, it's there's things it's the same game right it's just that the, the it like it, it's almost like the super nintendo version is a second pass where they did some things that were like oh yeah you probably should kind of subtly change the color of the turtles themselves not just their oh, like yeah, actual yeah. bandanas and stuff so that you really can tell the difference and it's like yeah they, there was almost, all kinds almost, of stuff like that yeah almost like they went through they're like ah let's make some tweaks here yeah do i remember that i've, I've still got turtles in time on uh on super nintendo as well i had i had teenage mutant ninja turtles uh the vi- the first video game was terrible on, on nes but i had it um <laughs> and then dude it's it's lovably awful man that damn level is like endearing almost yeah no shit 
Um, and then uh, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, quote unquote, two was just the arcade game. They just ported over to NES. And it's kind of a it's kind of a hokey port, but it gets the job done. But yeah, it's like, but no, the the arcade game, the four player arcade game, mm-hmm. that thing is a goddamn masterpiece. Oh, it's wonderful. That thing was the cartoon translated to a game. It, it it didn't dick around. It's like, dude, give me a turtle. Let me fucking kick some ass. And it's like, okay, push this button, to attack, push the button, and jump, go for it. There's um, four, go for it. You know, it, it was it, it just did exactly what it did, and you 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 saw all kinds of great shit from there. Every major character was in there, and they looked yeah. great. Bebop and Rocksteady looked great. Krang looked great. Everybody was awesome, and you got to like you got to go skateboarding down a fucking highway. And they reproduced that stuff in the NES game. Yeah, they it's did. just it's an NES game, and it's two player only. It can only do so much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cardi said she had but it bought, was, but it was very good on NES. She, I agree with you. She had bought Sunset Riders on Switch. I guess they had put it on Switch. Um, and uh, and apparently the cartridge for Super Nintendo is worth a lot of money now um, for Sunset Riders. Um, Karen said the first Turtles game was uh, an exercise in anger management. Um, and someone was asking what was the, what was the Game Boy uh, Turtles game? I had that game. What was that fucking game called? The it original. Was pl- it was one player. I remember that too. It was like it was based on the comics, so they looked a little chunkier. Game Boy. Uh, it was called. Follow the Foot Clan. Yeah. Fall of the Foot Clan. I that remember was that early, shit. That was an early Game Boy game, too. I remember that game, too. That was cool. They were chonky boys. Did you, do you remember um, there was like, so there was the there was the first Oops. arcade translation on NES. Do you remember the second game they made, which was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 on um, the... Um, it was on uh, NES? Yes, it was the Manhattan Project. That game was brutally difficult. That one is worth a shit ton of money because they didn't make a. They didn't much make many, but they oh didn't make God, many. Man, that's a. But that game's cool. That that whole series, man. Those are some cool music on those games. Some really good music, honestly. Um, like the, I like the fact that a lot of thought because uh, one of the one of those episodes one of those documentaries i watched i think it could have been the same docuseries they were talking about the uh they were talking about mario and they were talking about how much went into the thought process behind the music in super mario 3 and the music i think it's good it's maybe one of the uh documentaries on on uh, youtube but uh they talk uh they talked to the guy who did pretty much all the music you know from mario um they talked Koji to him Honda. yeah and it was just insane and like still some of that stuff hell i use uh stuff from super mario land i use one of the one of the fucking uh songs from that uh as our intro for parentally unprepared the other podcast i do with my wife like that that's a uh that's a uh super mario land song and it's fucking perfect even to this day still gets stuck in my head um i loved a lot of the game boy uh music it wasn't some of that like the i had the castlevania game that came out for that early on um the i had castlevania the castlevania on game boy um belmont's revenge i believe it's belmont's revenge let's see Castlevania. Yeah. no that was no i remember that that game was awesome the mega man games were really cool on game boy too uh mine was castlevania the adventure okay okay and then i think i i remember i remember there was that there is a belmont's revenge though right yeah belmont's revenge came later yeah i think it was maybe i had belmont's revenge and i remember that game was the shit 
But you had some really cool, really cool games. I mean, really it's, cool games. It's interesting, man. That was another thing. Again, you know, we're talking about like the transition from arcade to Nintendo, the transition from Nintendo to Game Boy for some stuff mm. like Mario Mario on Game Boy. Mario Land is a great game. It's not the same thing as Mario Brothers on NES. It's very and different. Even when they took, even when they took, like the first time they when they did um, Super Mario DX, mm-hmm. I remember that was a Game Boy Color game where they did like the first Mario game. I remember I got that, and that was fun as shit. Yeah, it was fun as shit to play that game because you could tell what well, you you really did. You really did just make the old game, but you made it on a Game Boy, and it's in color. It looks great. Mm-hmm. But it's still not quite there because the resolution's different, and it is a little different because it's like I feel like I should see more of the screen. Yeah, it it's just felt so weird. difficult. It's so difficult to do a full translation when they took Link to the Past and put it on Game Boy Advance. It's really good, but it's not quite there. Mm. And when you do emulation, man, it's always this quest. That's the thing about the Mister. Are you familiar with that? No. Okay. Mr. FPGA, um, FPGA steal, um, I think it, for, you have to forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. I think it says for field programmable array. <clears throat> what a Nintendo is and what a, uh, an arcade machine is and what a Game Boy is, all of them fundamentally is that they're circuit boards mm-hmm. with shit connected to them. Right. Um, what the field programmable gate array does is it is able, it, it's basically, again, I don't want to oversimplify, but it's just basically a bunch of transistors mm-hmm. that you can program actively. And so when we're talking about emulation, there's software emulation and there's hardware emulation. Software emulation is what usual emulation has been and you're probably familiar with and you know are exposed to where it's like a virtual OS. It's just it's it's simulating another machine through software. Yeah. Purely. It's like it's like and, a it's like a virtual machine when you're working from home kind of thing. And it's like when we're talking about like a you know a home desktop, and we're just like saying, "Well, I just want to I want to simulate what an NES was." It's like, well, an NES is extremely simple software by today's standards, so that can be done rather quickly and easily. But it's like, well, what happens when you want to do like a um, like an arcade board or something? It's like, well, those are a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. So it can be done, but it's like it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of programming and re- you know reverse source code shit. But there's questions about lag. It's always going to be there just because of the nature of what you're doing. Right. But that's where hardware emulation comes in. And the Mr. FPGA is where it's like instead of using software to pretend to be another machine, we're going to make the machine pretend to be another machine. Mm. And it's using transistors. And so... So make a long story short, the lag problem isn't there. And the reason why the Mr. FPG is better is it's like, well, there's no lag. And so it's a different setup. And what it does is it um, it simulates cores, which means, again, these things are just circuit boards, regardless if it's a console or whatever kind of game machine you're using. Yeah, It simulates the circuit boards. And so you build this little box out of these different components. And it's like all told maybe like two, 300 bucks to get it all put together. So I mean, it's the cost of a console. But once you do, it can simulate all the old hardware. And they've had so much stuff come out. Um, Capcom, most of its stuff came out on CPS-1 and CPS-2. There you go. That's a Mr. FPGA. There you go, right there. It's a, cl- it's a cluster it. of those three, those three circuit boards, right? Yeah. 
And it's like the bottom one is really all that is, is a hub for um, USBs, mm-hmm. the middle one and the top one. Well, that's kind of like, you know, there's memory expansions and other shit in there. But for the most part, what this thing is, is it's just a chunk of transistors Yeah, and it can simulate and sort of emulate and pretend to be all kinds of arcade boards whatever you want they have cps1 they have cps2 every capcom game can now be on there now they long simulated all of the 8 and 16-bit consoles all that stuff works in there and there's no lag and it's important for the community of people that are into this stuff because the lag is like people people don't understand it's like we were kind of spoiled back then with those crt televisions it's like man that shit was like more than 60 hertz a second right you know that stuff was amazingly quick and fast and when we're talking about oh but we use hdmi and 4k and you know everything's passing through a computer it's like well yeah you've added a bunch of steps there's lag it just is yeah there's input lag i mean because it has to convert itself you know it's, it's digital it has to convert to whatever medium it's going to or to whatever display it's going to and as it had to, to you know redo the uh the um the orientation of whatever you're playing like it's it's all a bunch there. of technical stuff that yeah. really just boils down to like i said there's no lag and it's faster um Even, that thing yeah. is fantastic um that thing is getting new stuff uploaded to, to it all the time and that's a fan that, that's an amazing preservation tool yeah because so many of these games again like you never i mean let alone being able to enjoy them and really able to see and appreciate all that they had in there mm-hmm. some of these cabinets you know they're never going to exist anymore. No, um, definitely not. And, and a lot of this stuff, again, it's like, there's an argument to be made for preservation, um, regardless of whether or not they're owned by other entities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, it's not hard at all to, uh, this is, this is the heart of the modding scene with um, the uh, one up arc- arcade one up. So many people have just been, getting these little arcades and then they just make a box that's like oh yeah man i have like fifteen thousand games in the corner it's such a great piece to just have in the corner of your house and it's like yeah man you have like friends kids come over oh yeah just fuck around with the games free play it's a huge yeah go for it man huge list of games yeah it's great at any party they've if you go deep enough into that arcade one-up site um their uh their countertop arcades are great they have some arcades that like they, they take advantage of the fact that it's like you know you don't need to make a big box cabinet anymore you don't need that much space they have like some pac-man t- cabinets where it's like literally it's just up against the wall and it's like it's almost like just it's like a wall frame mm. and then it's like no but it's pac-man you know yeah it's uh, i mean those other classic games are great like that like that you know to have a have a miss pac-man galaga half and half yeah dude that's great that's just that's coffee table type shit man that's fantastic stuff to have just available and, fun to, and just just as uh, just kind of a an, an art piece for one side of your house in one room absolutely yeah robo that's, robo bear and Chaz like science and tech museum should have uh an old video games hardware section we, that's kind of how we got into this conversation they're they're building something what, in vegas uh that's what the atari hotel is going to be the They're Atari Hotel in Vegas. Hotel. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna be yeah. a it's gonna be a museum and hotel, and I'm sure casino and whatever they can, else they can make money off you doing. But they want to uh, make a big premier place, like how like you know how the Bellagio has museums and shit inside, and they mm-hmm. take it very seriously. They want to be the premier museum of video games. Yeah, in the whole world, and they they want to take it seriously because it's like 
yeah, they're treating it to where it's like, I mean, obviously we'll be open to everybody, but they're going to have some shit that, like you said, they're going to make a buck. And like Vegas, it's like, oh, they'll have some stuff that's like, only if you're prepared to drop 10K a night. Or yeah, or, or if you just get a room, you're probably going to have like a multi-machine in your room or something like that. They'll have, but imagine, they'll do it imagine right. the kinds of amenities and the kinds of shit that's like, what kind of stuff would they make in a suite where it's like, no. I really want you to give me I, I want I want to play a video game that I can't play anywhere else. Well, and I've seen some of the stuff that they're uh, that they've done already in Japan with the Super Mario World there, what they're trying to do in Universal Studios here. Um, the, the augmented reality stuff at, at Super Mario World is the most intriguing to me. It's it that's interesting. And then they're doing entire like an entire um, they're actually going to have uh, entire uh, what do you call them? Fucking. Uh, 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 hotels or um, uh, what are they called? Fuck. Resorts. resorts, like an entire resort that's just going to be themed like that. And you go to your in your room, you've got <coughs> like your rug might be, I don't know, the fucking brick from Koopa Castle or something like that. Like your whole room could be themed as Koopa Castle and shit, and like stuff on the wall is is uh, is Mario themed and all that stuff. Like they're going all out. Uh, I, I really can't wait, you know, for it to, it's, it's going to be a while. I know it got all pushed down the road, um, but it's apparently going to, uh, I guess in the next two, three, four years, they're going to, they're going to start opening all this shit up. Um, and, well, and really working well, a on lot it. of it, a lot of it got delayed because of COVID. This yeah. stuff was supposed to be online earlier, but it's, I mean, this stuff was all decided a long time ago. I remember super Mario world land park being the announced. I mean, not a decade ago it was like three four five years ago but it was more than a few years ago well yeah i mean what happened is they started they started basically universal started making plans because they knew at some point all that marvel shit that they've gotten themed in their in their um in their theme parks is gonna go away because disney's gonna start snatching that back as soon as they can so they had to start preparing for um for filling the spaces. So what they're doing is they're going to transition over to stuff like Mario brothers and, you know, Nintendo all together. I mean, they're going to have a whole, uh, Mario Kart course. Like it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Like I said, right now, the augmented reality stuff mm. is like restricted to, a trip through the haunted mansion. Yeah. Somewhere down the road. And I mean, really, this would be very expensive, but this would also be incredible when you think about it. I think about their, I think about what they did with Pokemon go. Pokemon go is a big mass uh, augmented reality experiment. Mm-hmm. I would like to see, you know, a situation where it's like, well, yeah, you go to the park and it's like, as you go in through the front gates, you get the goggles. And it's like, you put on the goggles, you don't ever take them off. And it's like, that's expensive. Like, I mean, you're talking, you got, it's not just a matter of, oh man, you're just going to hand these things out to massive amounts of people. You got to build a bunch of them. It's like, I got to power all those things. Like again, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to these questions, but it's like sooner or later they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had these questions about VR and we've already kind of figured it out. It's like, how are you going to do it wirelessly? It's like, well, we got it now. Yeah, a ton, of, like, a ton gotta, of rides are in- implementing VR headsets now too, like a lot of them. And you just got to figure out how to power them long-term to be able to have people just be able to wander around for hours inside the park like that. But it's like, 
what would it be like? I mean, when you watch things like I remember the promo stuff for Super Mario Land, it looked so cool because like look at all this animated shit going on. Mm-hmm. It's like I know that's not real, but it's like man, how sick would it be if you could really have the augmented reality goggles where it's like you're wandering around, it doesn't matter, you go inside, outside, there's coins floating around everywhere. Yeah. You can like imagine what it would be like to be able to go to a park and you play a game. Where oh no, there are coins around. It's like, dude, grab the coins and like you can like get you get something for getting coins and shit. Oh yeah, they turn into like rewards, almost like tickets and and like ski ball. I mean, the thing is, that's that's weird when you think about, dude. You could lead people places with stuff like that. You could. That's when I talk about like Westworld. You could have all kinds of games and shit that you play with people that aren't real, like just characters and shit, and it's like. Whether you want to go down that path or not. Right. Again, Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go is kind of like a primitive prototypical version of that, but it's like that was one big, huge, massive, simultaneous game. I want to see them do that on a park scale. I want to see them do that. And I mean, really, it doesn't matter if we're talking about Nintendo and Super Mario or anywhere else. That's the kind of park that I would like to see. Yeah. Because everything else just seemed kind of like, well, you know, I, the, the stuff that's like going on, like the, the star Wars stuff, it sounds great. It looks cool, but it sounds, it looks like stuff I've done before. Yeah. The, the AR goggle stuff. That sounds like stuff that's never been done before. And it's like, it's cool. If it's like, you're going to have me in one ride with it on, that's fine. And it's like multiple rides would be great. But like, I really want to be like, I, I want to see what it would be like to just have a full on, augmented experience it's not virtual reality yeah it's not you're going somewhere and you can touch things and you can still eat things and stuff but it does have another extra layer on top of it because from what i've seen and from what i've heard it's like hard to it's hard to capture footage like with that shit mm-hmm. how do you put a camera in there how do you show it's like no, you yeah know, how do i like how do i go people. and put that on my youtube page you know my my youtube channel everybody has described it as like oh no it looks really great it's cartoony as shit but it's like but it all fits. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's supposed to look cartoony as shit. It looks yeah. great. It looks it looks amazing. It looks like their Switch, you know, graphics level stuff, and it looks fantastic like that. And I mean, yeah, I I want I want to see more stuff like that. I want to see bolder and more ambitious stuff like that. Again, not just not just cosmetics. I want to see stuff that's interactive, and I want to see stuff that can be tracked and that like has some sort of community game feature to it. Yeah. That is that is the next frontier for Nintendo and its games. And I'm sure I'm That's sure something some of, you can't do with a console, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure some of those companies want that too. They want something that you cannot go and record and put up on YouTube and be like, here's what it's like yeah. to go to this. Like, nope, I can't do that because you have to have these goggles on. Like you it's one of those things like that's that's what they had in the past, right? Where it's like, nope, you have to come here to experience it. Like people can come back and tell you about it, but you got to be well, here cons- physically to to know what what people are seeing. It's just it's and Disney cons- World. Yep, there's a, it's a small world ride in there, and you see a bunch of things from around the world, and like you can explain it all day long, but no, you got to go and see it. Like that that's what they they're chasing again because right now you can't, and and they're kind of getting there. Like I said, they're implementing VR on some of the on some rides. Um, and stuff like that. And like there was when we were at Universal, they have a King Kong ride that's fucking amazing that uses uh, 
It uses some 3D. It uses 3D glasses and uh, and and the use of several screens. Um, nice. That's really cool. The, the, the a Spider-Man ride did that a while back. It was like an animated Spider-Man ride that was really really good. Um, where essentially you're just in this you're in this thing that just moves back and forth, and they blow wind on you at different directions, and there's just shit tons of screens all around you. And there's some real there's some real set pieces in there too, because you're just kind of moving from room to room, similar to the Haunted Mansion. Um, but they've got these 3D screens that are also working in conjunction with, and like they do shit where it makes you feel like you're being knocked off the edge of a building. Like it's really fucking cool. I, you know, I remember I went to Universal in Florida. I did everything except the Back to the Future ride because it was just. I mean, I'm not. I'm not waiting two hours for a ten minute ride. Right. It was raining. I was just, I was like, uh-uh, which is now the that. Simpsons ride. They turned that into yeah. the Simpsons ride. <laughs> but but I remember. But I remember there was so much shit there that was so awesome. The Ghostbusters show. It wasn't a ride. It was like a show. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, can I ask you? I mean, we're talking about resorts. We're talking about all this kind of stuff. What do you prefer? Do you like the stuff that's like rides and like toury shit, or do you like to sit and watch the shows? Like. <sighs> What, what 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 do you prefer do you stu- do you do you i mean obviously you know it's all a show but yeah. are you are are you wanting to like be moved around and kind of like go on the tour of stuff or and like go on like actual rides and like get in something or do it, you like just kind of watch it happen and it's like you know just kind of watching like a concert or a performance or stand up or something if i am if I don't know, I mean, I guess, I guess time and place is important there. Um, I, I right. do love going on the rides and stuff like that. I'll probably, if I'm at Disney, I'm most likely going to go on more rides than I am because to stick around for some, you know, show that you can pop into. Um, usually those things are kind of reserved for it's a hot fucking summer. Uh, we need to get inside. Let's go watch the fucking Mickey Mouse gang, you know, do a, do a fucking song medley on stage for 30 minutes and cool off inside in the air conditioning. Um, but I'm, I'm more apt to do go for the rides and stuff like that. Uh, when I'm on a vacation, that's a, that's a theme park vacation for sure. See, that's the thing. Like I honestly, I've not been one for rides, Yeah. but what I do, I I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. And it's like, maybe I'm, I'm splitting the difference. It's like, like pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. That's, that's the perfect ride for me. Even though, even though the song is atrocious and I'm, I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not commenting on this specific ride, but this kind of idea. It's a small world. Just the nice, the nice gentle boat rides. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that crap. I do not like Splash Mountain. Um, okay. Don't don't care for that. Um, Space Mountain looked cool, but it's just like I don't like this shit, man. I don't like getting in the. <laughs> I don't like getting in the machine that's like it's got video screens and it's like it's got pneumatics and stuff that like moves you around and stuff and you can't tell but you feel like you're being jostled around mm-hmm. and shit on a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really like that. But I mean, I like um I'm the kind of dude who loves lounges. Like I said, you know, the, when you think about it, you go to a lot of these places um you know, there are times where it's like, oh, there's a show and it's like, yeah, it's somebody performing and it's like sometimes snooting stand up and stuff. I love going to stand up and like I like eating and drinking and watching stand up and shows and shit. Yeah. Again, I like lounge atmosphere stuff. That's great. And 
I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not much one for rides unless they're kind of calm and chill. And maybe that's why I didn't do back to the future, but I did like the Ghostbuster show and I liked the twilight zone show uh, or not, um, not the twilight zone. So the, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock show that I saw. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is cool too. Like, I think there's, uh, I think there's a place for all that. And then I think some of it depends on, are you fitting this all into one day? Are you going for multiple days? Cause you can do a ride day and a, and a show day. Like I can totally see that. Oh yeah. No. And, and well, and a lot of those, I mean, the best places are the places, honestly, that you go to and you think, I mean, really, you can't see it all in one trip. Absolutely. Multiple, yeah. multiple day trips. It's like, oh, yeah, man, we're going to go to Disney yeah. World for five days. It's like, okay, man. I mean, it's like you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to do all this shit. It's like, man, you're really going to stuff yourself. Man. And it's like, you're going to be in a rush. You're not going to really have an opportunity to enjoy it, man. Like, honestly, you know, take your time. And I mean, re- like. That was the thing I liked about, um, you know, we've said it many times, but I'm going to come back to it because it is a really cool attraction. That Haunted Mansion. That Haunted Mansion's cool as shit. Yeah, it's a cool thing. What it basically, yeah, it's, it's a fun house. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really elaborate fun house. And they're great. And they got a lot of those. They got a lot of those kind of like, I remember they had the the Roger Rabbit thing, which was kind of a, another one of those things. It's like, it's kind of a ride, but not really. It's kind of like you Mr. Know? Toad's Wild Ride a little bit. Like, it's a fun house, right? Right, right. And uh, it, yeah, there's I I like that shit a lot. You know what you'd really I, um, like you if you like rides like that. Pretty much like however you want to feel about Harry Potter, Harry Potter Land and Universal. Yeah, almost but, all the ri- almost all those rides are that, and they're just even if you're not into the lore, even if you're not into the actual Harry Potter thing, you cannot walk through that place and ride those rides without being like, "Wow, these motherfuckers did it!" I feel like I'm fucking there, and that's like, what that's why honestly, Marvel Land kind of intimidates me. Mm-hmm. I remember Six Flags, and I remember like the Batman ride and the Superman ride. It's like I can't think of many superhero rides that aren't like intense. I love and that's that. kind of a shame. I, I'm sh- I'm sure they'll figure something out. Cause I know I'm not alone in my assessment where it's like, yeah. I know they'll make crazy, huge, big rides and stuff. I don't like roller coasters, um, but it's like, will you let me go do some bullshit in a, in a Tony Stark lab mock-up and mm-hmm. let me just go like, look at, let me go look at like rows of fucked up armor props that I'm not allowed to touch in her in glass cases, but let me look at them. You know, yeah, I that, that museum that kind of aspect, right? Again, yeah, it, it's like again, that's all. It's it's all a show, right? And i I don't like the I don't like the ride going fast, but I like the show. I'm. It's not that like I'll tell you where I have my limits. It's like um, the Hall of Presidents is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no thanks. It, it's technically impressive, but no thanks. Um, but the Tiki Lounge with all the singing birds and shit, that place is fun as fuck. You know? Yeah. And like you said, like you said, sometimes it's just a quirk of of the situation. And I'll tell you something else. Um, one thing that I'm kind of weird about, I remember when I was a kid when I was at like Disneyland and shit, I don't like the people in the suits. I know that they're people. I know they're perfectly fine, but like, I actually find it. It's much better when it's like people who aren't in suits. And it's like, I liked the, I liked the people that were playing like princesses and normal people because like, they're not, they're in costumes, but they're like people because that's the way I am. When I go to the Renaissance fair, mm-hmm. 
dude, I love interacting with the people who work at the Renaissance Fair. There is a there is a singular satisfaction um having women showing their cleavage calling you my lord all the time <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. It's man you can't help but smile and respond positively to it every time. Um, but I like, I liked how, I mean, shit, I remember Robin Hood and Little John and the assholes would go, like, they'd get together as a group and they'd go randomly wandering around through the fair mm-hmm. and you could heckle them and, and, and chat with them and stuff. I loved that crap, but I can't do it when you're like dressed like Goofy. Right. It's fucking weird, man. It's just it's it's a little bit like I don't want to fucking hug. Get away from me. So so if we were if we were to go to Star Wars land in Hollywood studio, we're probably gonna find you in the cantina, right? Like you're probably gonna be chilling out in the cantina. I don't know. I, I I don't know though. I mean it, it all kind of depends. I would check it out, but it depends on how long I would stay there. The thing the thing for me and Disney stuff is number one, it's all the people. Mm-hmm. Number two especially with these things it's like i understand that they're attractions for children um why i like why i like las vegas and i like the appeal of that place is it's like it's not that there aren't children there it's just that there aren't as many right when there's a bunch of children around i have a lot of trouble enjoying things on their own level because there are so many kids around and again i don't want to it's like when you're in a room with people and it's like you don't want to curse too much yeah you know and that's kind of how i feel and it's it's irrational as shit but um it's not that i don't enjoy those things i enjoy them but like yeah it depends on how much children are around and yeah the cantina as long as there aren't kids around yeah i probably would really like it and that's something that's been interesting about disney lately I know they've always been this way, but it's like, especially now that it's like, man, Disney is an institution is pushing like 70 years. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, like, like and I'm talking the theme park shit. Mm-hmm. It started in the fifties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is a multi-generational thing. It is not, it is not out of the norm. And there are plenty of people that are totally open and are, there's a market for, you know, pitching, you need to come get married at Disneyland, pull out all the stops. And like, seriously, you need to get married and get your pictures taken in front of the castle. And it's like, dude, there's totally people. They're all about that. Yeah. They'll drop tens of thousands of fucking dollars and they'll, yeah, they'll do it. And, and they're happy to accommodate. And it's like, they know that it's not just children are going to be coming and hanging out for that kind of stuff. They, they will arrange for bachelor parties. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they know that that it's not going to be a bunch of strippers and shit, but it's like, but no, I mean, dude, you can go to bars and you can hang out and you can drink and you can relax and shit. Mm-hmm. It's they, they really, they, they try very hard. There's a difference. I understand like there's a subtle difference between being for children and being for everybody. Disney does a great job being for everybody. They really do. Yeah. That's how you, that's, that's the good money, man. That's, that's that got, good that's money. that good money is everybody. It's that man, broad gotta, universe with broad appeal, right? Four quadrants. Four quadrants, you know? all the money, bring it into the center, right? Yeah, right. Funnel it right in. It's it's just a funnel. Is all it is. <laughs> Man, yeah, it, it's and 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 one day, Feiji will have it all. He will. He's gonna 
He's gonna take all our money. His funnel. We're gonna is give it. Bigger. We're gonna give it to him. Yeah, gladly, and and ask him to take more than he needs. Let me ask you. Yeah. You're. I mean, obviously, you'll be you'll be watching Black Widow. How are you gonna be watching it? Because I know. Listen, I mean, you know, it's coming out soon, but. I don't know how difficult it will be for you to get out of the house at that point um, with uh, with Krista and um, and a little one and your new your new house get that's, that's on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's going to be certainly around that time when you're just going to be around at home. We'll probably just watch it at home, man. Like, I mean, it's, you, 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 I know you got Disney Plus. You get drop 30 bucks and you gonna drop 30 bucks to watch that movie. I mean, I, I, when I think about the last it's been a while, but when I think about the last few times we went to the um to the uh to the movie theater we spent more than 30 bucks right we both we both watch we got, it at home you can pause it you rewind yeah. it i mean because you're basically gonna rent it yeah we got we got we would get the tickets we would always get uh, you know a couple snacks and, a, and and some drinks and by the time it was all said and done it was easily 40 to 50 bucks easily because i mean you know we work during the day so we're not going to a matinee in the middle of the week usually we're going to be going on like a you know an evening so we're paying full price for the tickets so i mean just, we're, we're probably gonna that's just it it's it, it works for you with two people it's like how many single how many single individual people will do it yeah i don't know well think about think about when my kid's a little older right and wants to you know see something like you know, Raya or something like Frozen 2 or something, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is at that time, because there will be a thing because Disney always has a thing. Um, It's still going to be way cheaper to just pay the 30 bucks and, oh, well, have, and she'll I mean, be able to watch know, it two or three times. And I mean, and, no, the, ch- the the cheapest option will always be to just rip it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, but no, the, it, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, you know, with inflation being what it is and what you get for your money, because once upon a time, there was a perfectly legitimate business model and the market supported it where um, shit, man, you and I on, it didn't even need to be, it could be a fucking school night mm-hmm. and we could be like, Hey, do you think we can go watch a movie for five bucks? Mm-hmm. And we go there, we get dropped off at like seven, get picked up at nine, nine thirty. Yep. And that, that's not possible anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. Like, I mean, the closest you had, was when there was a a a second run dollar theater, you could go and have a pretty good time. Older theater. Oh, I don't. You know what? I don't even think it was really even just that because shit, man. There was a time when I remember when we were we were in high school and um, Beachwood Cinema was six dollars. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. I'm just and saying you, that- could, you could. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's just it was um it was so much easier and so much regular going to the movies like that, and. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about it, it's like, yeah, you know, your daughter gets a little older and stuff like that. Maybe by that time, um, you know, for the next big Marvel piece of shit, it's going to be $50. And it's like, think about how once upon a time, WrestleMania was $50 on pay-per-view. Mm. I'm not, and I'm not talking on, you know, on the on a streaming network. It's like, no, you had to call someone and give them your credit card number and cross your fingers and pray that the channel would work. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, and and they charged fifty bucks a pop for those, mm. and they were like four hour long extravaganzas. But like, I mean, really, it's like, dude, we, that was a game we were playing back in the eighties. Yeah, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Hundred percent, man. It's uh, 
nine ninety nine. Well, and, and here's here's the thing. Now, now it's all come full circle. You know, we start, started talking about 1995 Mortal Kombat here in a few yeah. weeks. We've got 2021 Mortal Kombat. It's going to be available on HBO Max if you got it. Or if you want to go to the theater, go to the theater. But I'm going to be watching it on HBO Max. I might even be a dad by that point. I don't fucking know. All I know is my ass is going to be at home watching that shit. And uh, what I want to do is I want to get back together and discuss it um, whenever it comes out. Oh no, for sure. We'll, 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 we'll work something out. It's been, man, it's been good to hang out. We, we, we all kinds of different areas hit, hit the whole spectrum. Yeah. This is the longest one. I think we've ever creation, content creation in arcades. Oh yeah. No, like I said, it's been a long time since we did it. And it's actually been good because, you know, it's been, I mean, didn't feel like the other shows that we've done, but you're right. We went for four and a half hours, man. That's fucking nuts. Good times. Good hanging out with everybody. Good hanging out with everybody and chat. Good seeing everybody, man. Had all kinds of cool, cool, fun people come and visit with us, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Carrion's been Carrion's been rocking it. Curdy's been hanging out. Mm. Server sauce. Robo. BD. Everybody's been popping in out. Crabler. Yeah. Crabler's been here pretty much the whole time. Dude, everybody's having a good time with it. Um, it was really cool. Uh I would definitely uh be open to doing this more with you guys. And uh if you want to uh, follow the show, it's at Lopez Radio on all social media. Um, and uh, we, we did this live on Twitch, and I, and I play video games live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lopez Radio. Um, no, no, and you know what? That's what we should do. We need to, we need to do Mortal Kombat story mode. I think that what that needs do? to happen for sure, yes. We'll do, we'll, we, you know what? This year, sometime, we, we, will, we will experience the epic... That is Mortal Kombat's 9, 10, and 11. And we will we will show y'all, man, no joke. I'm not kidding. Raiden really fucked up the timeline, okay? <laughs> and we're and and we're gonna have to unfuck it. And it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing journey on easy mode because dude, seriously, we're just here for the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then and, and we're we're gonna get the Doc Brown DLC so he can help unfuck the timeline. And, uh, well, and that, you know. it, no, and it'll be it, it'll be good. We'll do we'll 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 do that. We'll do that sometime on a Sunday variety. That'll be that that'll be something that we can do. Cause we, yeah, it's been a while since we did uh, did like a Dead Space two ish thing, but that worked out good when we set that on easy. Oh. Just ripped right through that, man. That was a lot of fun. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I accidentally hit my outro thing on accident. Um, yeah, I think that would be the Dead Space was a good time. Um, I had I've actually on on a little bit of off time. I. Uh, I've been jumping back into Doom Eternal, um, just because I, I'm. I think. Have I'm, you been playing the new levels? I have not fucked with the DLCs yet, but God, I've, I've heard they're brutal. Uh, they're I'm just like bet. mean and like like. How could you? How dare how, you? How seriously? <laughs> two Marauders, man. Like trying two. to say to me, <laughs> bunch of fucking sadists they are over at ID Software. Um, oh man, but no, you know what? Hey, that's that, that's what the kids crave. It's like, no, god damn it, I want some real challenge. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and um, that's been doomed, man. No, I'm I'm glad you're digging it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but thanks to everyone who came out to watch live, uh, Adelaide. Good to see you. Yeah, everyone, good to see you. Um, you can follow the show, like I said, at Lopez Radio. And uh, Fagan, do you want to plug anything? Or are you good? Oh man. What you got? Anything? Like, no, no, no. I'm going to double down. We'll just support this. April 16th, HBO Max, Mortal Kombat. We'll be back. Let's let's hope it's good. That Red Band trailer looks cool. 
Um, I hope it's sick, and I I hope I hope I'm like going ooh and saying, "Oh, that's a sick bump and shit." Like, I want a Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> let's hope it's a Mortal Kombat movie. Let's let's give it a chance, and we'll be back. We'll. we'll there will be more Mortal Kombat this year. We, 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 we'll be back. We'll, we'll talk more. Mortal, we'll Mortal, talk Com- more. Mortal Kombat's not going anywhere. It's 30 years old. For sure. We'll, for we'll, sure. we'll see you again. And for those of you out there that want more podcasts, I've got another podcast called Parentally Unprepared. You can look that up. It's on all applications that provide podcasts, including Spotify. So uh, check it out. And uh, it's just me and uh, my wife, Krista. We're talking about becoming parents, and it will continue to be there as we uh, figure out parenthood. So check that out. Um, guys, thanks for hanging out. I really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye everyone.